welcome to episode 38 of the Whatever He Show. Uh, 38? 38. Jesus. We're, we're getting up there. Like, the show's going to have a midlife crisis anytime now. Um, this week, we've got a guest host with us who you've met before. This is Ryan Bailey from Dead Nexus, uh, who, you know, plays us in every week. So, that, thanks for that. Ooh, no problem. Um, we've got uh, me, as usual, Eddie. And, and me. Who's totally I'm picking up the cues Totally. This <laughs> I... It's been a while, all right? Yeah, he, see, like, our show's so off schedule lately. Like, he moved last week, so we didn't do a show last week either. Um, but I just put out, like, eight episodes that we were behind, so. Anyway. There's, like, three or four. Yeah, I know. We, we, we're two weeks behind, is all I'm saying, so. Um, we got some news this week. We're going to talk about The Flash. We've got Arrow coming up. Um, some of us are behind on some of the other shows, so we're not talking about Legends this week. We're, we're probably not talking too much about Arrow either, except for just what the just, fuck. Just why. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some uh, more CW news with Supergirl. We got a little Supergirl transplant happening. Um, Batman versus Superman. There's all kinds of shit in the Marvel universe. Uh, damn, Peggy Carter died twice this week. Spoilers. Last week. Last week, right? Yeah. yeah. Sad. Also, um, before we get too too much into the meat and potatoes, too, I just I, I read um, it's it's confirmed now. Daniel Craig is done as Bond. I did. I read that too, and I was gonna put it in the show notes, and then I forgot. And big usual. big fucking money right now is on Hiddleston. Hiddleston? That yeah. would be great. That I would rather like him or uh, Idris I Elba. That. I was just thinking Idris Elba too. Like that would be amazing, but apparently he's not white enough. Yeah, I would actually be kind of surprised if they went uh, um, with Idris, even though he's a phenomenal actor. He's just Bond is a very, very typical typecast role. Like it'd be interesting to see them go too far away from that, especially because Daniel Craig, I think, already was kind of a step away from the uh, traditional Bond. You know, like. Um, I don't know, Connery, uh, etc. Yeah. I mean, they um, all basically look relatively similar, and then Daniel Craig kind of stands out from them. Yeah. Yeah, he's not... So, I don't know, maybe... Is pretty the word? I, I He... Maybe. I, I but just I mean, dig like, him, but I mean... He, he's blonde, for starters, or at least, you know, sandy blonde. Uh, gray. Which is quite a bit different, yeah. Gray, you know, something. Yeah. So, uh... Anyway, not to sidetrack you too far from your reading of the show notes, but... yeah. Well, I just I read that and I knew it was in the notes yet. So yeah, we got it. Well, we'll come back to that. I think probably. Huh? Yeah. All right. So we want to open up with the DC stuff. Let's talk about Flash. Sure. Okay. So we've got two episodes behind now um, that we haven't talked about on the show yet. Yeah, Runaway Dinosaur and Invincible. Yeah. So the Runaway Dinosaur was um, two weeks ago, and that was the uh, episode directed by Kevin Smith. Yeah. And when I read that title, I was like, "Is this Doctor Who or the Flash?" And then I was like, "Okay." Because there was no dinosaurs, obviously, and then there were. Speaking of that, like before we get too far into the show, like I, I, I interesting that I've noticed. Um, out of the three episodes you you put out this last week, the the one where Ryan and I talk wrestling the whole time has got the most downloads <laughs> out of all of them. Are you serious? <laughs> well, out of out of those folks. three, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, the the W is now for WWE. All right, so, yeah, I guess we're switching over to wrestling now, folks. Uh, for all you comic book nerds, I mean, fuck off, because you're sorry. not paying a shit. You know? uh, no, anyway, Flash, Kevin Smith, let's let's get back to that. Yeah. It's, it's still fun to talk about. Um, so I really like this episode. Uh, uh, 
it had a lot of good Kevin Smith elements in it. The dialogue was amazing. Uh, the title, well, you know, like I was originally not confused, but I was like, how the hell is that going to make sense? And then it totally did in like the worst, you know, tear jerkiest Kevin Smithy sort of way. Like Kevin's like, hey, I credit The Flash last season and I'm going to make sure you do too this time. Yeah. 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 Um, I really, um, because I listened to several of his podcasts and stuff like that too, I kind of got to hear the ongoing process that was directing the flash and um here's here's the weird part about it like this this the way this episode was written definitely seems like a kevin smith joint if you will yeah um he had very little Spike to do Lee with the actual for... writing of the episode um this it was just it it just happened to be an episode that involved a lot of back and forth dialogue <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why they chose this one for him to direct i don't know um but uh it it was really weird listening to him talk about it because normally and because he, he just does whatever the fuck he wants now like it's not mm-hmm. like he makes movies that people want to see otherwise he wouldn't have done tusk no um but he talked about uh being done with the episode only not being done with the episode because he's used to being the guy that says okay we're done mm-hmm. it's done it's finished but apparently when you direct the flash like it doesn't stop with you the director like you're like okay i'm done directing my part and then it goes to somebody else who then says either yes we think it's done or no we think you need to do this differently go back and reshoot or whatever right um and then after that person says it's done then it goes to the cw for them to decide whether or not it's done damn so he he was really nervous going into it because he's not used to other people having the final say over things that he does and so that was uh an interesting thing for him but it looks like he's chomping at the bit to do it again so that's kind of cool i mean it's cool that he wants to do it again because that you could imagine that would be jarring i mean he's been doing his own stuff for ever like yeah has he done anything like cop out cop out cop out's been the only thing that i think is outside of like the um like his direct control entirely the way right. that you know all of his other movies have been so um, well i needed that episode of reaper too um yeah and that worked out well yeah uh, did I, I i think we talked about this over the um over text or something like that but we didn't bring it up on the show uh so i found that out uh because somebody asked um it came up when he was directing the flash that he, uh somebody uh put up the idea of him directing arrow long ago like before um uh before the flash talks were ever even a thing yeah and uh guggenheim just tweeted no like it was on twitter somebody said you should get kevin smith to direct an episode and just a single word no period so gotta listen to the backstory on that or read the backstory i think kevin did an ama on reddit um a long time ago probably a year or two ago now um and he kind of explained that story and uh it just you know it's not making guggenheim come out any better uh especially with how shitty the um arrow has gotten lately so you jesus yeah i really wish i would have saved that uh link I'd, i'll put it in the show notes if i can go find it um but yeah yeah it'd just, be interesting to read that too it, it i mean god I don't know the guy, but Guggenheim seems like a gigantic douche. Yeah. Like, sorry, buddy, um, but you're kind of killing the show. And I mean, who fights with Kevin Smith? Do, do you think The Flash is kind of Berlanti's baby? Like, he has more direct supervision over this show versus some of the other Berlanti produced well, shows? I th- what the um, I don't know. This is a lot of inside baseball, and, you know, I'm not even sure if it, it's true because anything we get is apocryphal, right. essentially. But, uh, what I hear is that when the Flash launched, 
they basically took everybody good writing Arrow and moved them over to the Flash. Uh, the the prime example being uh, Kreisberg. So Kreisberg was the head writer, I think, on Arrow before um, moving over to the Flash, and Guggenheim took over at that time. So that was um, in between seasons two and three. And I think that if you've been watching the show, that will not surprise you the least bit because Arrow had a massive shift in tone in in season three, which uh, as as big as that was as a departure from what seasons one and two are, uh, season four is just on another fucking level of weirdness. Yeah, and, and we'll get we'll we'll get back to Arrow here in a few minutes. Um, Ryan, what did you think of the the Kevin Smith episode of The Flash? I really liked it, and I also liked how it went further into Barry Allen and his feelings and his emotional touch and getting more in tune with himself and the Speed Force, like how it was like this emotional system that they were doing. And yeah. it's just like, at the end of it, you were tear-drinking, like, wow, this is crazy. I didn't expect this. It was totally different than anything that they had done in The Flash, like having to go and do that. And so I thought it was really cool that they went in in the Speed Force yeah, um, I really enjoyed the uh, the dialogue between him and his mom, um, which yeah, I mean, Speed Force aside, like because he was like, "Are you my mom? Are you the Speed Force?" and he, and she was like, "Yep, I'm I'm both." Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. kind of cool. Like I really enjoyed that, and um, which I mean, if you read Flash comics and stuff like that, it's not unrealistic to think that a part of her would would exist within the Speed Force, considering how she died. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, definitely enjoyed that. He he had tweeted about uh, if you if the scene in the last episode between Barry and Iris touched you emotionally, grab your tissues for this one. And I thought he was referring to something that was going to happen between Barry and Iris. So I was getting all prepared for that, and then all of a sudden his mommy's there, and I was like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> Way not worse, a, not his mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. Um, so yeah, great episode. Yeah. Um, so we follow that episode up with this week's, which is Invincible. Um, Invincible, really. Uh, there's, there's no, no P. There's no P in that. Uh, whatever. Um, so Invincible. Invincible principle? Okay. Well, that could work. That's not what this episode of The Flash is about at all. But, um, so this episode of The Flash is Barry coming back out of the Speed Force and basically uh, just thinking he's a badass, which, you know, he is, but... Uh, Two things I really enjoyed about this episode. One is is he definitely there was an, an attitude shift, um, and it wasn't so much his his attitude that I enjoyed from this episode, but it was the other characters' reactions to his attitude around it. Yeah, um, Joe's reaction, and then especially Iris. Like, and and ladies and gentlemen that are writing for Arrow right now, if you want to write or or learn something about writing uh, a romantic dynamic between your hero and 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 a, and a support character. Just watch the Flash because they do it. No, actually, well. they should probably just toss out all the continuity that we've had in the comic books between Barry Allen and Iris West, and instead have him date some random IT chick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, the, the uh, I really like that whole dynamic too because um, so that's one of the plot points in Invincible, and I think that actually happens a little bit in the end of uh, um the uh runaway dinosaur um iris basically is like you know how you said you loved me and i was like nah well maybe yeah so uh that that kind of goes down a little bit more and then, and then she was like here's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna hang on to the bottom of your scrotum yeah and you're just, gonna run around and be the flash but i'm gonna have to rein you in every once in a while is that cool yeah yeah basically <laughs> um so that dynamic was interesting and the thing that i like about this dynamic is that it it 
I mean, again, it's refreshing because it doesn't feel forced. Like, it does feel like there's some sort of natural progression there. And they do feel, I, I think, kind of natural together. So, overusing the word natural now, but whatever. Does that mean Iris is not shaved? Mm. I, I don't know. An Oh, natural? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um. What was the second piece I liked about this one? Oh, we got to see Katie Cassidy back. Yeah. yeah. That that is that's the second piece that I really liked about this one, and she was playing a slightly different character than what she's played. I mean, obviously she still had the same power set, things like that, but um, a little bit more aggressive with it for sure. Yeah, I'm not even sure if she had the same power set because this this uh, this Katie Cassidy plays not the Black Canary but the Black Siren. Yeah, and I think I think hers was a meta ability rather than a device. Yeah, because unlike the um, sort of uh, could you not? That's really annoying. Sort of superpower set she had in Arrow. It, it's like she was leveling buildings. Yeah, yeah. So that was badass. Uh, I actually really like that, especially you know, and in in this another kick towards Arrow because it's like, see, see, look, you got a cool character. You could do cool shit with cool characters, and then, you know... Or you could just kill them, needlessly, to perpetuate the romance between Ollie and the IT chick. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, just like they're going to kill Lois in the next Superman book, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sorry, she's the CEO now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go back to that, too, because you mentioned, you know, Data Random IT chick. They actually did try on a different love interest with Barry, but you know what they did? They pulled from other comic book continuity and pulled a character from that. Yeah, crazy, right? Crazy. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really well done, too, because I was, because I, I knew that, you know, like, I knew that going in, and I knew that was going to be a thing, and I was like, well, how are they going to do that in the show? And it turns out they did a really good job with that in the show. Like, I, I enjoyed that whole arc. And I actually kind of was sad to see it end when it did. Yeah, I thought, I, I, I would not have been displeased if they had drugged that out a little longer. Yeah. Like, mo- most of the time, I'm kind of like the... You know, opposite. Like, I don't want to see this drag over a whole season, but um, maybe it's just because I really like that character, you know, Patty Spivet. But um, that that was a solid arc. So, uh, ooh, I just watched this one today, so it's really fresh in my mind. Uh, Which see. means you can remember absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, the one where he runs really fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, there was see. a couple episodes where he didn't. Yeah, that's true. He was normal. Um. I do like how in the entire show he felt pretty invincible, but at the end of it, when Barry's dad dies, he realizes that he's still very vulnerable, and that's what the supporting cast was trying to say. Like, hey, don't go around thinking that you're this invincible thing when you're very, very, very vulnerable now more than ever. This guy. Yeah. Uh, For those of you playing the home game, Matt just pulled out his uh, original season of The Flash featuring John Wesley Shipp as uh, Barry Allen, Uh, you know, highlighting that that is, of course, The Flash's dad in this episode or in the the, um, CW Flash from from 1990. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really well done. Like, uh, again, I I like this whole arc. It's kind of a classic, you know, sort of that costume is. It, it is it's solid i mean i'm not gay or nothing but well maybe a little um yeah not to take anything away from from henry's death but... uh, um i was actually kind of shocked um, i really was too like I, i've seen his death coming for a long time because it's like well that's how we could kick barry a little bit more while he's down this is what's going to be interesting to me i think 
that the dude in the mask in Zoom's lair probably is Henry. I agree. Only it's probably Garrick. His last name probably really is Garrick. They dropped that hint so Since hard. it was his mother's maiden name, it would stand to reason that maybe, maybe his parents didn't get married. That, yep, yes, yes. Th- so. This is... Whether they do it on the show or not, that's like my headcanon now. Like that is definitely Jay Garrick in the in the thing. Jay Garrick as played by John Wesley Ship, which is perfect because it fits the age thing. He'd be an older speedster. Yeah. Like I was thinking before that they were actually gonna go the um uh uh Teddy Sears, you know, it, it play, yeah, plays yeah. like eight characters. Yeah. So um and I kinda thought that man in the Iron Mask was gonna be um Teddy Sears playing, you know, a different version, a different of, Jay version of Jay Garrick. Yeah. But now now that, especially now that they've killed uh, um why can't I think of his name? Henry. Henry. Especially now that they've killed Henry, um there's like no doubt in my mind that's what they're doing. That that's gonna be Jay Garrick. It's gotta be. I mean it's too perfect not to be. Yeah. Also the other thing too that we, we kinda missed is that was it throughout this episode that Henry and, and um the uh the other chick who owns the laboratory oh uh whose name uh, i don't remember either but i don't know who you're talking about she's in here tina yeah mcgee yeah uh, yeah they had um kind of some chemistry going on which uh as i'm sitting here looking at this antiquated flash season um from 1990 they were kind of a, a, a an item in that show, so I yeah I totally think that was a nice little Easter egg for the fans. Yeah, awesome callbacks for that. Like as Kevin Smith would say, deep cuts. Yeah, deep cuts. Deep cuts. All right, we got anything else to talk about the Flash? Um, no, let's talk about how shitty Arrow is. Yeah, uh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've been kicking it a lot, but it really kind of has. We don't even have to now. It just kicks itself. Yeah, it is. It is. It has become a a, a parody of what it once was. Like. Almost literally. It yeah. is almost literally a parody of the show that I, it once was. I'm still two episodes behind. From what I understand, though, it doesn't get any better during those two no. episodes. No. I um, will say there was, in the last episode, um, there was a pretty decent scene where Barry actually does a little bit of free running. He actually, you know, Barry. Oliver. 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 Uh, Gotta switch shows. Uh, Oliver actually shoots some arrows. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Are I you mean, talking about the scene where they're running through the streets? Yeah, so that that part would at least was a little bit of a callback to you know the kind of stuff that they used to do in the when show they were, when they played superheroes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and you know, at least a little bit different from the fight choreography which we've been seeing, um, which I'm pretty sure they just keep reusing. Like I think they fired their choreographer at the end of like say uh, midpoint season three. And they've just been redoing the whole that same just fight. Yeah. on muscle memory now. Right. Yeah. They're doing that same fight. They've been doing that same fight for a season and a half now. Yeah. This this is what irritates me. And I was actually texting Eddie about this the other night when I was trying to catch up and watching like the episode from three weeks ago or whatnot. Damian Dark is an awesome villain. He could be. Um. Yeah. Just I mean the character in general is awesome, and I love uh, what's his face who plays him. Uh. uh, uh McDonough. McDonough? Something. Christopher McDonough? I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I don't have my shit with me, so I can't really yeah. look it up. I'm, I, I mean, my massive computer sitting right here, but... I have the keyboard. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 I like the way he plays him. I do not like how they're using the character, and I do not like that the show revolves more around the Felicity and all of her drama than it does around the fact that there's a bad guy stealing a nuke whose evil wife is running the city and all this other like why are those subplots see now 
I don't want to spoil anything because you're about to get to the best computer scene that's ever been on TV. Dude, I read your tweets. Possibly. I know better. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just just so bad. So bad. Like when I was, you know, shitting all over this on Reddit, I think I, I described that scene as being, you know, like the absolute worst parts of CSI. But then it just keeps going. Yeah. Like like in CSI when they're like, yeah, I'll just track their location by writing a visual, uh, a GUI and visual basic. Like that's over in like 30 seconds. This scene goes on for like 10 minutes, like 10 minutes of a 40 minute show. We have this hacking scene. Jesus. That's never been interesting. Everybody writing for anything anywhere ever watching fake hacking scenes has never been interesting. It wasn't cool in the except movie for the Hackers. 1990, I was just going to say, except for the 1995 movie Hackers. <laughs> I don't think it was cool then. Like Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie, you can hack the planet. <laughs> that movie was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. But first off, I saw it for the first you time. You can't hack a Gibson. When I was like 10. <laughs> I, I saw it for the first time when I was like 10. Uh, and second off, yeah, there's Neil. too many awesomely cringy quotes. Neil McDowell. Yeah. There, there you, you go. go. Thank you, Ryan. You're Ryan with the hookup. Um, I was just about to promote you to producer, and then you did that. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. There's just so many things. Like, uh, Again, I think we talked about this before, but the writing has just gone so far downhill. Like, We've gotten so full of cl- tropey cliches. We've written ourselves into plot points that we can't get out without incredibly stupid MacGuffins. Like, there's... Um, all of the the worst parts of the CW, as in the angsty teen-filled drama bullshit that like you'd expect on a show like say I don't know Vampire Diaries or something like that, they're bringing that in full force, and it's just getting even more hard to watch. But the good news is is that probably people are gonna get fired because, uh, and I can't believe I'm happy about people getting fired, but the last episode dropped like two million viewers or something like that. So I again. This went from the beginning of the season, like to the show that, like, Tuesday Night Ritual was a flash, Wednesday Night Ritual was Arrow, and it's not like oh, I yeah. let a night go by that I didn't watch those shows because I wanted to make sure that I was completely up to date on them by the time we sat down to do our podcast and whatnot. And Legends of Tomorrow is still a great show. Don't get me wrong; like, it's that's I'm behind on that one too. But that's for he watches it with his wife, like. I'm... Yeah, not making fun. I have like eight shows like that that I haven't seen. You know, like we were talking about this before the episode too. We've, I've been watching Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad for like three years, and I think I've seen like eight episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I mean, between the move and the fact that my wife and I don't always have the same days off, um, to actually sit down and watch shows. Like she works evening shifts, so I'm asleep by the time she gets home. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm behind on on Legends tomorrow. Luckily, I've got them all in DVR. One one of these days, we'll kick back and knock Which them all out. Legends I actually enjoyed. Um we got the yeah. season finale this week, so I'm not gonna say anything other than it was a good episode. Um yeah, and guess what? They're coming back for next season. So which that was yeah. a big concern yeah, when they first yeah. started. It so. was. Um it, actually so that that I think is gonna segue us nicely into uh you know an, what an, else is coming to the Another second season show? Yeah, another second season show. Um so we we talked about this on last week's episode. Uh CW was rumored to be picking up Supergirl because it wasn't performing well enough to stay on CBS, and uh, they did. So Supergirl should be in on the CW next year with their second season. Uh, so I don't know what do we, what do we think that means for the show? I, I think CBS would have kept the show if it wasn't for the, the production costs. Um, number one, that that show, unlike the rest of the Berlanti uh, 
DC properties actually shot in LA, which yeah. is super expensive to shoot in. Um, so they needed to drop costs on it. I think the best way to do that was to move it to Vancouver and give it to CW. Yeah. Um, I don't think the visual effects are going to suffer too much. I mean, the, the team at, uh, at CW is pretty fucking spectacular. I mean, we saw what they did this year with King Shark. Oh, my God. The I, I will say that I think that, that it is. The, the effects on the CBS, on the CBS um, Supergirl do seem a little bit better. They're, they're cleaner. They're, they're a little bit cleaner than, than on the uh, CW effects. Um, so I do think that the the effects will um, go down in quality just a slight bit, but I don't think it's going to be noticeable enough to break the show. I don't I don't know if we even notice I, a drop in quality. I think maybe some of the effects change. You know what I mean? That um, that like her heat vision might actually be red. Yeah, because that's going to be less expensive to do than that weird glowy blue shit. Yeah, there's there's things like that that I think will be uh, a big possibility. I think there's also a big possibility we just see, um, you know, sort of like the Flash, like we just don't get as many big showy uh, um, sort of CG moments um, as we could, you know. The here's what we're gonna need though from this show. We are gonna need it to go into production with the same philosophy as the Flash does. Um, it's gonna have to have a whole lot of heart, and it's gonna have to have less preachy yeah um and it honestly here's the thing i actually enjoyed the show by the time the season finale came around yep um this i mean and i don't know if it's because i was just like the show's a lot better than it used to be or i was like well arrow fucking sucks cock now so this yeah. is what i got um arrow sucks cock and she's just giving hand jobs so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean um there's a step up at the rung in case you were wondering yeah yeah uh um I, I but I did enjoy it by the time that I, I think Melissa uh, Benoist has really come into her own as far as playing uh, Kara. Yeah, really enjoyed Calissa Flockhart's character by the time the season was over. I don't, I we haven't heard yet whether or not she's sticking around for season two because if they move production to Vancouver, there's a possibility we lose her. They did say unofficially, or she did say I think unofficially that she would stick with the show if it moved to Vancouver. What I don't know if what that means exactly, because right now she's sort of a series regular in pretty much every episode um, for substantial portions. I'm wondering if her role isn't reduced in some way because she just doesn't want to commute or doesn't want to move to Vancouver or whatever. And I don't know that if it moves to Vancouver, I mean, moving it to Vancouver to save money might also mean decrease in salary for... See, uh, that was another consideration I had. There's a lot of things that they could do. Um, so first off, presumably they're gonna have some multiverse shenanigans uh at least that's what i would do like if i if it were me i would do some multiverse shenanigans because that will line them up in the same we've already confirmed that we're going to get a four-way crossover between legends arrow the flash and um uh supergirl um so i think one of the easy things that they could do here is have some sort of multiverse event where um the supergirl you know earth changes essentially maybe she gets sucked into a different earth maybe the cast you know that makes it get sucked into a different earth in some way um, maybe so rip hunter changes something in the timeline that merges the two together right i th there's just there's a lot of easy ways i mean it's a comic book show there's a lot of easy ways that they could write them out of some of the problems that they're going to have moving over to the cw um so I, i'm not too worried about that now in fact i think there, there's a lot of things that they could do with that that actually make the show more interesting i blame rory of course yeah he he was very Rory in the last couple of episodes too. Couldn't help see it. Plus he's a time traveler. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like I'm gonna stop being typecast as a time traveler, and instead I'm gonna go do the show about uh, time travel. Oh, okay. 
But I'm not going to be a mysterious guy with a box who whisks people off to far-off destinations. I'm going to be a mysterious guy with a spaceship who whisks people off to far-off destinations. You say that like the TARDIS is in the spaceship. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's just the line from the show. I know. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Supergirl's coming to the CW. We we totally uh, got that rumor, right? And every time I see uh, Grant Gustin and, and Melissa Benoist like take pictures together and shit like it at things i'm always like oh that's so cute yeah. and i want to see them together again yeah yeah same i'm always like now kiss did, um, did you watch the crossover episode i did not no i haven't watched anything for supergirl from like the first two and a half episodes I'm gonna punch you in the dick that that episode <laughs> at least had the flash in it i well first off i think that's kind of fair um if you haven't uh given supergirl another chance you might want to i still don't think that it's up there i, I mean i think i still prefer it's watching still pretty legends. rough the first six seven episodes but yeah i still i still like legends better than i like uh supergirl um as a whole uh but especially if nothing else i think you can watch the flash episode without really knowing much going into it i i think my my thing for that show is i think melissa benoist does a really good job as Kara and Supergirl and she has assumed the role really well uh, the rest of the stu- of the show like there's I could take your leave a lot of it um, yeah, the same. romantic interest between her and Jimmy Olsen I could give a shit about um, same. I do like Wynn's character his character's gotten a lot better see I just the whole love triangle thing to me feels so incredibly forced and I don't and like that's when I started liking Wynn again is when it was no longer a triangle as soon as he started banging the other chick yeah. <laughs> it was fine yeah I, I just all of that is just it's, it just feels very forced to me. I don't like it at all. Well, he's kind of looking like from the outside in now, like watching the romance between the mm-hmm. other two and going, Jesus Christ, I dodged a bullet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, also, and this isn't in the show notes either, but we should talk about it since we're talking about the CW shows and stuff. Um, Tom Cavanaugh, who plays Wells on yeah. The Flash, recently did an interview um, where he talked about... Uh, Zack Snyder saying that Grant Gustin wasn't the Flash that they were looking for for their quote universe and whatnot, and he kind of let Zack Snyder have it for being so short-sighted as to not realize that Grant Gustin is the Flash that he is on TV because he is an actor, yeah, <laughs> and he is playing the part that they want him to play for the TV show, and that should he be cast in a movie, he could be the Flash that Zack Snyder wanted for their universe because that is what he does. He acts, yeah. <laughs> Um, it turns out uh, Harrison Ford not really Indiana Jones either. I just found this out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really disappointing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and second off, it just kind of proves that uh, one of the other things we're going to talk about in a second uh, is Snyder's involvement in the DCU. Um, maybe he just doesn't get it because. Well, he he doesn't get as much involvement anymore. That's for goddamn yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first off, Grant is a great Barry Allen. Uh, I really like Grant as as Barry Allen. Um, and my only complaint maybe would be he does not fit the look of his comic book character. He fits everything else though. Like he fits the heart. He fits the you know. I think it, that's all fine. He just doesn't fit the look of the comic book character, which in fairness, it's kind of hard to do because everybody in comics is six four and weighs you know two hundred and twenty pounds of solid muscle. So if they're six four, they're probably closer to two sixty. Yeah, you're right. Saying. Sorry. Um, I'm gonna say that at this point, I'm kind of glad they didn't choose him to do this because um, I really would hate to see him sink should these movies continue along their path. Yeah, uh, I'm also kind of glad too because 
I am I'm incredibly fine with having two different incarnations at the same time. Like they could do something entirely different with the Flash on the, in the movies. That's good. Don't get me wrong; it should be good. And I could still totally enjoy the Flash TV show uh, um, and have them be their own own things. So I I think Ezra Miller said it best, and I'm going to paraphrase here when he said. It's the multiverse, man. I mean, he's the Flash. I'm the, I'm the Flash. Flash. Yeah. It's like we're both the Flash, man. Yeah. For, it, for those of you wondering, apparently the uh, direction that Snyder wanted to go with Ezra Miller's Flash was... Burnout sh- Junkie. Yeah, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, in the end of the episode, uh, the movie, uh, he just rips the he- uh, the the mask off of um, you know the reverse Flash, and it turns out it was old man Jenkins the whole time. And he would have gotten away with it, too. Yeah. If you're for that meddling kid. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. How old are we? All right, so let's get into that one then. <laughs> uh, so the Batman versus Superman universe, uh, um, the DCU. So you may have heard that uh, Batman versus Superman didn't get rave reviews and its second week box office uh, tanked. Tanked yeah. hard. Um, and uh, it's not been performing well since. So uh, My wife yelled at me for this, too, because I was kind of making some negative comments about that movie today. And she was like, shut up, you liked it. And like, she's yeah. right, I did. But the, the reasons I liked it were more nostalgic than, than actually that I was impressed with a good quality movie. I loved seeing elements from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns on screen. Totally. I loved seeing elements of the Doomsday Super, Death of Superman storyline on screen. And I didn't know that was coming. I knew the Doomsday part was there didn't know they were going to play it out to its its logical conclusion. Yeah, same. There were lots of things it's about the this. the only logical thing that happened, actually. Yeah. There, there were lots of things about the movie that I liked, I think, because of the, you know, like, nerd that I am. Um, but there were just as many things that, that, that like, I kind of want to gouge a Q-tip in my ear, you know, yeah, real deep about because, you know, it's just hard not to see it in the movie. Also, um, I was totally right about Ben Affleck, and I feel fully justified in saying that, too. So I did like oh, that part of it. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the movie hasn't performed well. There's questions about how the whole DCU should go. Um, especially amidst the release of, uh, uh, Civil War. We talked about Civil War in, in the last episode. And I, we even Which touched was on fantastic. this a little bit too. Um, the excuse that everybody gave Dawn of Justice was that there was too much. The, it, I mean, there was too many elements added into this movie. Too many it, characters, etc. Civil War had just as much, if not more. But every single character had a reason for being there. Like, it made sense why Hawkeye was there. And it, the, the fucking plot made sense. Yeah. Like, that was the big part. The plot made sense. The whole flow of the movie was different. The pacing issues didn't exist in Civil War. Uh, um, there's just so many things that, that make this, you know, like, from a filmmaking perspective, um, make Batman versus Superman look like a, you know, like a film student project level The only thing that was really a MacGuffin was Spider-Man. And that's completely and totally acceptable to do. Because he was kind of a last minute addition, um, and they they had to write him a part in there to to get him into the into the MCU. See, and it was it was kind of a you know like that was the only thing that was a, a little bit forced. But when I was watching it, I wasn't like oh god really like yeah. when they, when I was I, even when I was watching and this is like during the actual hype of watching the movie. Like I remember coming out of Green Lantern and thinking well that wasn't too bad. Uh, so you know for comparison, I remember watching during Batman versus Superman and even like cringing at, at the scene where they did the whole email introduction of the justice league mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah the news anyway is that they're bringing in a couple of other big guns to basically run the show um more or less in the dc one of them's already there i think his name is john berg yeah is that his name 
I th- I think you're correct. Somewhere along those lines, he's he's an exec at Warner already, so he's already kind of involved in in the filmmaking process. The other one though, um, is a guy that maybe no one's heard of ever. Yeah, or certainly not any comic book fans. Right. Or uh, or maybe he is the chief creative officer of DC, and his name is Jeff Johns. Correct. So Jeff Johns, um, which this this feels like what needs to happen. Like Marvel, or uh, as much as Marvel has their Kevin Feige, 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 Feige I think is what yeah. it is. Feige. Kevin Feige. As much as they have their Kevin Feige, Marvel, uh, DC needs that, and I think for for DC that could be Jeff Johns. Could be. Yeah. Um, my only concern is that Jeff Johns. Okay, I don't have a concern with him creatively. I think creatively he's probably the guy. My concern is that the things that he's going to want to do, I don't want the studio to run him over. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's 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 my biggest thing. Um, and I think if he and Berg get along well enough, um, he'll probably be fine because uh, he is the foremost authority on all things superhero at DC right now. Like there's not anybody that kind of understands the characters. I don't think as well as as Jeff does. Um, the other thing is is that Affleck being named uh, executive producer for Justice League actually helps Jeff Jones in that situation because the two of them have collaborated together already on the script for the new Batman movie. Yeah. Um, so they have a working relationship, and if he's in control, that means he's going to have support from an executive producer slash actor. And as long as, like I said, as long as he he forms that relationship with with John at WB that he needs to have, then then he's good. Yeah, and I think this actually kind of lends credence to this whole move in general because um, Affleck doesn't need these movies. Like, he could get out, um, nobody would blame him, uh, and, you know, go do something else. We'd all be a little bit disappointed because uh, his Batman is really awesome. Um, but he could get out and it wouldn't be that big a deal. It's not a career ender for him, you know, no big deal. Um, no, that was Daredevil. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, I mean... Affleck could get out, but that he's sticking with it make, uh, makes me think he's at least somewhat optimistic about the project. It's a character he cares about, too. Yeah. I mean, it, he, there there's a little bit of that, I'm sure. It, it, it is a pet project a little bit for him. But it's I think there's also some optimism to be had, because he's not an idiot, either. I mean, it's not like he didn't see the reviews, the box office results, and things like that from um, Batman versus Superman. But I'm sure he also saw a lot of the reviews with, that said, uh, but Affleck was essentially the saving grace as Batman in this movie. So yeah, um, he, they've got a shot at it. The, the, most of the problems with this movie were not re- really related to the acting. It, it was... The script was a large part of it. The direction was another large part of it, you know. No. Um, and actually, my wife commented that she she didn't like Henry Cavill as, as Superman in Man of Steel at all. She didn't care for that movie very much. And she actually commented that after uh, Batman vs. Superman, she liked him as Superman a lot more than she did previously. So Cavill did some stuff, too, that I think was definitely noteworthy. It's just that whole movie as... A, a con- as a cohesive story wasn't it was a it was a clusterfuck i honestly think they're both affleck and cavill are being wasted um for what they could be in these roles because cavill i think actually makes a phenomenal superman but they're not writing him the way that superman should be written and affleck makes him a, a phenomenal batman um he ha- the action was on point um his portrayal of batman was on point um but the whole story just sort of drowns out uh, um, the potential that he has as that character, so I think if they could get that out of the way, um, they they could have a very very strong Justice League on their hands. Like, there's no reason to me that Cavill especially couldn't be as iconic as, uh, say, Chris Reeves uh, as Superman. Um, he definitely has the look, especially for this generation. 
he has the look. He he has that certain way. Like Chris Reeves has the um that thing he does where if you go back and watch the old movies, like he just has this it's, way. It's just Reeve. Yeah, Chris Reeve. God. Reeve. I, it's George, George Reeves. Reeves. That's why I always screw it up. Damn. <laughs> um, so I, he definitely has this way. Like and Cavill has it too, where he gives this sort of like half smirk smile thing. Uh, um, that's like just immediately comforting that Superman does and, and like all of his various incarnations essentially um, you know it, and it's just so much a, a good way to capture what Superman is and Cavill can definitely do that he can definitely play all the different aspects of, of Superman and he does a great job with it it's just they're writing him wrong like they're they're just writing Superman wrong like a hobo yeah See the hobo thing didn't even bother me. No, that, it didn't. that that part was okay, but um, I don't know. His whole characterization is just, you know, like Superman is unbridled optimism and everything that is good in the world. Like he's Captain America. The way that they're playing Captain America in the Marvel universe is the way, uh, or very similar to the way that they should be playing Superman. Instead, they're making him entirely too broody, entirely too full of self doubt, entirely too. You know, whatever he Superman can have moments of that because when it comes down to it, he is Superman, as in he's human. He's not, you know, as much as he's, you know, biologically an alien. He is definitely uh, Kal El of Earth. Uh, callback. We're gonna get to that one in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they, you know, he can have those moments of self doubt, but the whole movie shouldn't him be him. Um, you know, being all broody and angsty, like you know, no. In fact, Batman. he shouldn't have been broody or angsty at all in the movie, since this is this was the sequel. Like, if anything, maybe he has a hard time with the fact that he took a life when he killed Zod. But he, the that was several years ago, timeline wise. At this point, I think I think it was like three years ago. So, like, I mean, I'm not saying there's a there's I don't know, you can't put a stamp on you know getting past something like that, um, but after three years you've either decided you're still going to be superman and doing what you're doing or you're not and see and that's the thing like superman um i actually was one of the like three people uh, that didn't necessarily have a problem with the way that uh you know zod ended in the man of steel like i didn't didn't have a problem with it at all yeah um and a lot of the problems that people had with man of steel like uh the one destruction of metropolis and things like that i said just give them a chance to make a second movie. Because if they make a second movie, this would actually be a good way to characterize Clark. Um, You know, like, if they came out with the whole public hating him and then Clark winning them over through, you know, just his sheer optimism and goodness and willingness to uh, be Superman, um, that could have been an impeccable way to introduce Superman for the modern age. But they fucked it up with this movie. Yeah. Um, first off, I, I still am kind of in, in the camp, and I, I never changed my position on this at any time, that I really did want to see a, a, a proper sequel, not a you know Batman, or Superman leads to the Justice League sort of Iron Man 2-esque, like here's an advertisement for our next team-up flick. But like I wanted to see an actual Man of Steel sequel, which you know I don't know if we'll ever get at this point, but um, that that's the type of thing they should have done with it and they just didn't roll that hard with it i mean there were hints of that in there it's another thing like there's there's in batman versus superman there's a hint of a good story that they just never let get its legs yeah i mean you know where it's trying to go that's the that's the hardest part about watching this movie is like you know where it's trying to go it's like a kid finger painting like you know he's trying to draw a dog but it still looks like a kid's finger painting yeah yeah Zack snyder (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, bro. Um, and that's the thing. Like you, like visual direction does not a good director make. Like, go be a DP then. See that, and that's kind of the route that I think they should have gone. And or, you know, maybe that's not entirely the route. Maybe Snyder, you know, with a proper sort of like Lucas, George Lucas is the other you know director we've had this conversation about a lot. George Lucas can do interesting things, just unbridled. He he's it's a train wreck. Like yeah. he needs somebody to rein him in and say, you know, that's that's not going to really work well on the screen. They should have reined him in before BVS then, because I mean that's that's an expensive fucking movie too. Well, I I think they I think the DC kind of feels the pressure from Marvel, and they kind of feel like, dude, we got to do something. Like, that's throw, the, throw some spaghetti and see if that's it sticks. The thing, like, here's this is my problem with DC is from the get go they were like, this is not going to be a mirror image of the MCU. That we're not we're not doing things the same way. But you know what? The way that Marvel did it, it fucking worked. Yeah, and it's not just that. Um, yeah, that's it, actually. It just works. That's, that's the way it works. And the way that Marvel did it is the way that the comics did it. Like, it's it's the whole map that's existed for the last 75 years. You get these individual heroes that everybody becomes really interested in. Some nerd sits down and says, you know, it'd be really cool if Batman fought Superman. So somebody makes the book. Um, there, there wasn't Avengers yeah. before there was Iron Man and Cap and Thor and everybody else. In fact, the Avengers was kind of put together because... Hulk and at the time Captain America and Thor I think weren't selling individual books well. Yeah. But people liked them when they were teamed up with other characters. So Yeah, but we got to we got to know who those characters are. Like a fucking video clip that somebody emails Bruce Wayne doesn't really do justice toward introducing Aquaman. And honestly, here's the thing. I think Jason Momoa is going to be a badass Aquaman depending on the story that we get and and who directs it. It's obviously not going to be Zack Snyder at this point. Yeah. In fact, there's talk that he might be done after Justice League completely. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, like you you He'll said, be missed. you know, like we uh we we got the Avengers because the books weren't selling well. We don't have that problem now. Now it's just they're rushing too hard, you know, like there's a plethora of stories you could tell with Batman, Superman, Aquaman. Like all of these characters have plenty of interest on their own. They will sell seats. Like you just say, here's the new, you know, here's the new Flash movie. Boom, you you will sell the seats. Batman versus Superman, same thing. You you just say Batman versus Superman. You don't do anything else. You couldn't even. You don't even probably have to release another trailer and just say it's coming out and it will sell huge for the first week, just like this movie did. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's. It's it's yeah. It's gonna yeah. be rough. A rough few years for DC until we get. A new Batman movie. <laughs> All right, so I just, I just tossed this in there. This has actually been in my my queue to put in for a while. We did get a deleted scene from Batman versus Superman. Um, you should probably check this out. It does add a little bit to the movie that you know sort of makes you think like, well, why did they cut that out of all things? I didn't um, watch it. What is it? Yeah, uh, it's the uh, communion scene. It's a little bit of Lex stuff that kind of adds to um, sort of the ending that we got. So. Um, Anyway, guys, just check it out. It's been in there for a while. You might have, you've probably already seen it. I've got, I've had this in the queue for a month or two at this point. So, um, but yeah, Did check he, it out. Is it the one where he is talking to Darkseid Uncle? I think so. Yeah, and I think they released that like a week after the movie had released, or a couple yeah. of days. It wasn't they long like, because I, they're I, like, wait, this is why this yeah, happened. Yeah, there's a reason, much. guys. We just didn't put, put it in the put giant it. movie. Yeah. 
the 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 two and a half hour movie if we would have gone two 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 hours and 32 minutes that that would have been too long so we couldn't have done that so many other scenes that just could have been cut too yeah all right so enough uh, uh of dc fucking up their properties arrow batman versus superman we'll be back with a refill from our sponsors what do we got next um let's go to marvel um start off with some more depressing news actually <laughs> oh depressing you said depressing sorry yeah um yeah no moss no moss agent carter yeah sorry agent carter fans if you uh aren't agent carter fan it's dead now twice yeah <laughs> in two weeks yeah uh, civil war spoilers <laughs> um so it's kind of a bummer because i think actually they they left probably the best part of this which is how she actually found shield on the you know on the the table for a possible storyline that we're never going to get yeah um but i think that's also kind of why we're never going to get it because i think that's kind of what people want to see is how it ties into shield a little bit and they've only kind of in the vegas sorts of ways even hinted at how that happens here's here's the the thing um network tv wise marvel and dc kind of have opposite problems like dc can't fucking figure out how to get its cinematic universe off the ground and and really running um marvel seems to really be struggling with its network tv programs um because agents of shield is is still going but um they just canceled the spinoff series for it um or the second spinoff series for which uh which is going to be marvel's most wanted and that was going to follow um Mockingbird and uh, Hunter, yeah, uh, which would have been awesome because I like those two characters a lot. So did I. Um, and then also, a Agent Carter is done after yeah. two seasons. And honestly, the second season was a bit slower and it was kind of harder um, to follow. It didn't it didn't jive quite as well for me as as the first season did. But I I think it's um I I don't think that they're doing what Marvel really does well. Uh, um, with Agent Carter, and for you know the converse to that, I'd say look at what they're doing on Netflix. Um, Netflix works really well, I think, because those are sort of um, quasi grounded in reality sort of shows, um, which has always been sort of the difference between Marvel and DC. Marvel has you know realistic superheroes um, in most respects uh, that have real problems like Spider-Man, you know, like I, 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 uh, the scene in civil war, which, you know, totally made me forgive, you know, not that I was ever not going to be a fan of them bringing Spider-Man into the MCU. But, um, when he's like, wait, did you say there's money? There's money. Okay. We can go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's always been a typical Spider-Man problem. He's a superhero, fights crime, he's on the news every day, but he, he he's fucking poor. Fucking poor. Just making shit at like, you know, he's bringing home old VCRs to make shit out of cuz he's got no money. Plus they actually made him sound like he's from fucking Queens. Yeah. So. And then um in, in the DC side of things, you have these big larger than life essentially, you know, Greek god-style titans. Um I'm think I'm mixing my metaphors there whatever uh you you got these big sort of titan characters the, the greek gods had titans but they were the, the the parents of the gods there you go okay maybe i'm not i always uh want to mix up greek and roman mythology Kronos was a titan but they're like the same they're all kind of cyclical they just call them different things yeah whatever um <laughs> there's a digression uh <laughs> But I, think I, that's, I could talk Bullfinch's mythology all day, motherfucker. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they're missing a little bit with uh, Carter, is that they're going a little too fantastic with Carter. Like, I think they could make a much interesting show if they tried. Like, it, it is a little bit too of like a trying to fit the fit a what could be a good story into a you know like 
Sunday night watch with the kids sort of TV show. Well, here's the thing, man. It's a period piece too, and that's hard to do. You, you know, but I, I I really think they could do it well. Like they could. I, I think if they put it on Netflix, you know, they could still have it be a period piece and stick it on Netflix. I think they could make a really good show. So here's here's part of the problem. There's some internal conflict going on at Marvel right now. Um, because Feige now longer he he no longer answers to anybody except for uh, the president of Disney. Yeah, didn't which, him and Jeff Loeb have like a falling out of some sort? Yeah, there was there and 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 Loeb is still kind of running the show when it comes to the TV parts of it. But now Feige's kind of like, well, here's the deal: you can exist in the same universe as us, but we're probably never going to cross over again. See, and I think that's a mistake, actually. I think it's a huge mistake, um, and so do a lot of cast members. In fact. Um, 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 what's her name that plays Daisy on uh, Chloe Bennett? Chloe Bennett, yeah, she was really vocal about wanting to see some crossover in the future, um, using their characters in the movies at some point in time. Um, and her basic premise on it was, you know, we've been really faithful and acknowledging events that happened in the movies and our stuff, like. We just, that's all we're asking is the same thing in return. I, I think that um, they're almost stupid not to do it. Um, if, if you can bring those characters into these big movies that fucking everybody sees, like everybody goes and sees Captain America now, which, you know, what a cool universe we live in these days. Uh, everybody goes and sees Captain America. If you can do that, do you, can you just think of how much spillover you're going to get into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, and and uh, again, the more they tie together, the more it makes you want to watch uh, one or the other, it, which again is a very comic book fucking thing to do um, in comic books all the time. You see that little panel that says, you know, see issue number 35 of uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so really silly that they're going that route with it because they, they would only uh, serve to better each other. Like both both properties would, uh, I think not only gain financially but gain you know from a storytelling perspective as well because that's the other thing that really pisses me off i mean i know why they do it for budget constraints and stuff like that but when we have these like you can't have a um the other thing that pisses me off about arrow you can't have an event like they're having in arrow or these big you know world threatening events like they're having in shield and being like hey why don't you call iron man he's busy thor no uh hulk anybody widow hawkeye i mean, call any fucking buddy uh, they're, no, they're all they're all. What what about that guy that wouldn't push the button? Yeah, can you get him? <laughs> How about that guy that played Galaga? Yeah. Oh, we can get the Galaga guy. He's gonna roll up like he's you know the big uh you know the big guy come home to roost. Yeah, the Galaga player. So I'm I'm irritated about that. Um, also we haven't seen Deathlock in a while. Yeah, <laughs> we can see more me. Deathlock. Do you guys think that the fallout between Jeff Loeb and Kevin Feige is why Inhumans got? put back indefinitely because inhumans are a big part of agents of shield yeah i think there's probably, probably a pretty strong possibility there i don't know if it's specifically to that but especially when you say like we're, we're not going to cross over universes as much i think that right there is why they put the kibosh on inhumans because they'd have to kill agents to yeah you get rid of it do at this point and then humans movie without having daisy and you know your core group they could but it would it would be really uh, shitty like not just shitty but like insulting to basically everybody like um insulting as especially to you know the cast and the crew working on agents of shield but even to the fans like we've been watching in humans like it'd be like trying to do an x-men movie and not having like any of the x-men characters we know and love because they're it would be like if fox had control over the avengers and 
cast Chris Evans as Captain America anyway, even though he was already Johnny Storm in their universe and just expecting people to fucking forget it. <laughs> <laughs> like a certain, uh, say, other character who was recently in a Marvel property, uh, Michael B. Jordan being cast in... Um, Black Panther? Yeah. As the fucking Human Torch. <laughs> and then being in Black Panther as something else. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm pretty sure if Michael B. Jordan and Chris Evans end up in the same movie together, the universe will implode. See, I know they won't ever do this, but one of the lines that would have made perfect sense was, you know, like if Spider-Man, because he was he was throwing a lot of almost Deadpool-esque, like fourth wall breaky things. Yeah. If he was just like, hey, you know, you look a lot like that guy in the Fantastic Four. What was his name again? Um, and then, you know, he gets hit with a, a bus or something. So it shuts him up. Um, it's funny because the first Lego Marvel game, you get an achievement um, when you end up with Captain America and Johnny Storm in the same level. And there's a level where that's actually like in story mode. Like, so you don't even get to pick your characters where that happens. So, I mean, you get that achievement automatically at some point, but awesome. they just threw it in there as like, as an Easter egg. And I think it was the, I think the Easter egg was called, or the achievement was called Don't I Know You. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, we'll miss you, Agent Carter, or some of us won't, I'm sure, because it's not getting canceled because it's selling out or anything, but, um, yeah. I, again, I think I think they sold it short, and we didn't get to see the best of what it had to offer. Uh, quite honestly, I stopped watching it somewhere in the middle of this season. Like, I, I keep meaning you to go back and watch it. You picked it up late, Yeah, I keep meaning to go back and watching it, but when, it, when, I, when I really think about it, it's just that I'm not necessarily that involved with any part of that story, so probably it speaks to why it's going away. Like if you would have stuck it out, I think the last four episodes were probably were pretty solid. I enjoyed them thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree I'm with sure that. I'm sure I'll end up watching it at some point, but um, you know, just saying, I, if you can't sell me on a comic book show, like I'm still watching Arrow for fuck's sake. Although that's more I think out of, of self loathing than anything at this point. So that's um, like when you've already masturbated four times in a day and like your like, dick hurts really bad and you again. just do it again just it's just, just for the it's hell wishful of it. thinking yeah you're like maybe this will be okay and then like an hour later you're like ah, why did i do the this? worst yeah. um it's raw parts of it are bleeding <laughs> just keep doing it speaking of uh parts being bleeding after masturbation finn jones is going on to star in netflix's iron fist yes he is iron fist yeah. I, like, I like it <laughs> thanks um so i know very little about iron fist me too. Uh, but three. this is now a thing where like, I'm on board because Netflix is doing it, and they've done such a fucking phenomenal job with the other uh, properties that they've been given so far. Uh, Jessica Jones, who I also knew nothing about, was super good. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm on the third episode now. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I know. Here's the thing. It's a really good show. Um, but most of the time, I'm with the kid, and that chick you cannot watch fucks that. Luke Cage a lot. Yeah, and a super lot. So, like, <laughs> I'm like there, there's not much of that you can watch with children. No, like, no. Uh, and if because if it's not like uh, Luke and, and Jessica getting it on, it's like uh, uh, the Purple Man making some guy eat his own face or something. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, Finn Jones in Netflix's Iron Fist. Uh, that looks cool. Uh, if you're not familiar with that guy na- by name, Finn Jones plays Loras Tyrell on Game of Thrones. So also cool to see somebody, um, you know, he, he's he's good as Loras uh, on Game of Thrones, but this is definitely going to be a radically different character than Loras Tyrell. So not a lot of actors from Game of Thrones that aren't super good. 
yeah, it, uh, yeah that actually, show so. um whoever's in charge of casting for that show honestly deserves like a fucking medal because uh, especially casting basically nothing but no-name actors uh that's not entirely true obviously we got sean bean we got uh lena lena headley yeah lena headley uh we got um fuck even the guy that played um uh robert Brathian, whose name i can't remember um, was somewhat semi semi known prior to Game of Thrones. Lena Headley's uh, good because she's really versatile. Like she plays, like she does. She does being a fucking cunt pretty good because like yeah, she's hor- she's horrible in the best way as Cersei. But um, like in uh, that other movie, Dread, Dread, when she right. plays and she's all fucked up looking and ugly and shit. Yeah. Like, but then she's Sarah Connor in the in the in Terminator series that they did, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, and she was really good in that. I didn't ever watch that show. That was good. That was yeah. actually a really good show. I liked it. But anyway, yeah, no, I totally better continuity or better continuation of that story than any of the recent movies have been. Yeah, I totally like her, um, just in general. But um, especially with Game of Thrones, though, like that show is just full of like nothing but all stars, which is amazing because I've never heard of basically anybody except for you know those three probably, and I'm sure there's somebody I'm forgetting in there. I still can't get over the fact that you watched Terminator. Yeah, well, you didn't. You haven't watched Game of Thrones yet. Summer Glau, though, dude. You put yeah, Summer Glau in Game of Thrones, I'll watch every fucking episode. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, <laughs> casting directors get game, uh, summer, summer on get the other show. Game and reshoot Thrones. the past episodes with her in it, so I watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> Just shows up at the Red Wedding. What's yeah. up, bitches? Yeah. <laughs> I ate a bug. Oh, wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so next up in the Marvel Universe, we have Kevin Feige saying definitively Marvel is going to make a Black Widow movie. Yep. That is happening now. Does that mean they're going to finally make action figures? Maybe. I mean, I don't know why. You know, what little girl would want to buy a, a, a kick-ass chick action figure? Dude. There's not, plus, there's only like 10 little girls that buy toys, so they definitely... Who would want right. that? My kid just bought a t-shirt the other day at... at, uh, at, at the store and it's i was super proud of it because it's got black widow like in the center of the shirt and stuff oh she bought it because spider-man is right next to her but <laughs> see but like my kids um for a while um they got super into playing uh the marvel um superheroes lego game and like ellie was dying to be black widow like all the time like who are you gonna be black widow like so which is silly because her power set on that game really sucks it, it does, but, like, I, this is kind of a good example of, like, you know... She can not get picked up by sensors, and that is about it. Yeah, like, the um, the movie, I think, is going to be great, but I think this is going to be a positive thing in general for little girls who want to find, you know, superheroes that are also girls. Um, because, you know, Widow's another character that they can just do a lot with, story-wise... Um, and, and you know it gives little girls you know something to do besides um, have Spider-Man action figures and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I'm 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 all for this movie happening. Um, several reasons actually. Number one, like any time that I think you can do a superhero movie and have a female lead, I think you're doing yourself a favor. Um, second, ScarJo, because yeah, ScarJo, yeah. you can't have enough of that. Uh, and I just think. To your point, she's an awesome character. Yeah, Widow. Widow is, a, I think, a super interesting character. Yeah, we got a little bit of her backstory in, in Age of Ultron, which um, 
you know, some of you might have liked, some of you didn't. No, I know. See, but. like that that actually had me like salivating for a widow movie. Like yeah. I really enjoyed that part. Do you think if we get? Do you, do you think when we get the widow movie that we're going to focus on her past and some of the things that she did when she was KGB agent, or like, both? You think it's going to be the turn? I think it's going to be. It'll be the, a, a the, widow prequel, as it were. The turn actually would be a super good story to do, but I think there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Like, I don't think that they should do just like a straight up modern day. Um, well, I don't know actually, because you know, like as much as I want to say that Captain America, Winter Soldier, you know, like that that was definitely. Here's my only issue with her being a former KGB agent. She's not really that old. Yeah, and the Soviet Union dissolved when I was a kid. <laughs> so <laughs> she, for those of you that didn't know, Scarlett Johansson also, you know, has that painting thing that Dorian Gray has somewhere right. locked in a closet. Like Black Widow is actually 80. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she makes a mean spice latte though. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm excited about this. So I, I, I will, I'll go see it and I will take my kids to go see it. Hopefully it's yeah. not a rated R treatment of, if it's in the MCU, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It's I Disney. don't think they will. I think they'll definitely do a PG-13 version of it, but I think they could do a rated R version of it, and it'd be super awesome. But they're not going to. They won't. Yeah. Um, do you think she'll have another hero with her co-starring as well to add more to the story? Say, like, Hawkeye with her as, like, a co-star, like they did with Winter Soldier, where she was the co-star to Cap kind of thing? If they do the movie that I want to see, No. Okay. If they do the movie I want to see, it's it's the turn of her deciding that she wants to use her skills to benefit do good the United States and whatnot. Um, if anything, maybe we see Nick Fury or um, Hawkeye come in, you know, toward the end. See, I I actually do kind of want to see it be a Hawkeye thing because you they really sort of give you the impression with the MCU. And I'm not honestly sure about the comic continuity. I mean, I know they've teamed up on several occasions, but they really give you the impression that Hawkeye is sort of the reason for the turn or a big contributor uh, um, in in the turn for Widow. No, and I wouldn't have a problem with that necessarily if 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 it was written well enough. Yeah, but yeah, but it's just like if you had asked me, like, do you want to see a big, you know? widow and, and captain america team up i'm not sure that i would have been on board with that from the start but obviously and, that worked out pretty not well. to take anything away from hawkeye but i don't think we get any of the big guns no so no i, I don't think i don't necessarily think that'd be a great idea because that i mean from a storytelling perspective um just because like there's a different threat level like it's even sort of different like they fit it in really well when you do the things like the avengers and civil war and stuff like that but it really comes down to it though like this the type of stories you should be using black widow and hawkeye to tell are quite a bit different from the type type of stories you should be using the hulk to tell yeah yeah um i don't know we'll have to see we have more i mean honestly i'm sold anything yeah, pretty I'm gonna, much I'm with the mcu it. like I, I, the ticket's bought but um, you know, we have some more interesting. It's a super good movie. Interesting Marvel stuff too, though. We do. Um, there was another cameo in the Civil War that a lot of you might have missed. Oh, this is funny. Yeah. Um, let's 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 hold off on this one because I want to I want to. This is not in the show notes. What I'm going to speak to, and so I, I don't want to lose right, it before right, we get yeah, there. Yeah. Um, we talked earlier about how Feige and um Loeb are not seeing eye to eye on things. However. There is a very, very heavy rumor right now that says that we may see um, Kingpin 
In Spider-Man. In Spider-Man Homecoming. I just recently heard yes. that that has been denied. No. As Did you? of, I think, this morning. My hopes were up here, and Man. then you just dashed them. I'm I know. sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I blame you, Ryan Bailey. That's okay. <laughs> um, I was I was up there with you. I was like, that would be awesome. Keaton, though, is back in, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah he Keaton is. Keaton is playing the Vulture. So, we have that good news. Man, no fucking Kingpin. Oh, that would have been do you think so they denied good. it because like it's an outright denial, or do you think that like maybe maybe he's not in the movie, but we see him show up in the Stinger or something? See, I think that the way you do Kingpin in the Spider-Man movie is not as the titular villain or anything no, like that. No, no, no. I think you do just like they did with the Ultimate, uh, the Ultimate books, where he's like sort of a um, almost a gag. Like the, there's a great Kingpin scene where you know you just have Spider-Man being all lippy and shitty, and, and uh, as they're sitting down, you know, and the final quip is something like a Kingpin saying all ominously, and you can imagine D'Onofrio delivering this line where he just says, "Did you web my feet to the floor?" and and uh, Spider-Man's kind of like, "Yeah," like he's like such a little kid about it. He's like, "Well, here's the thing: the Kingpin that we've met though already would basically just pick that kid up and just." pound him into the table but until he yeah. fucking stop that's twitching. That's always been the thing. That's always like, been the thing. Even in the books, <laughs> it's even more exacerbated in the books. Like the the uh, the comic book Kingpin compared to the comic book Spider-Man, it, it would just look like me thrashing a toddler. Like um, just honestly, you you you'd think that the the comic book Kingpin could just pick Peter up by the leg and just spin him around like a Barbie doll. Um, so it, it would be a little bit less than that in the, in the movie. Um, but I think that's also what makes it great. Like that's, that's what makes it great because Peter totally will, you know, he'll totally be a mouthy little shit to, uh, the kingpin, uh, who's not only physically very domineering, but he's the kingpin of crime. Like, uh, especially in the particular incarnations where he tends to cross paths with Peter in the comic books, he's the kingpin of crime. He is like the, uh, um, you know, the dawn of dawns and, uh, Peter's totally just a mouthy little asshole, which is perfect. Comics right now, I think he actually controls the hand. There you go. Or did. Mm, damn. So I would yeah. love, to, especially the way that um, we got to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man in action. Like, I loved that. They, they nailed that part so well. We get uh, Spider-Man talking to Tony Stark. Uh, um, we get, or, you know, rather, Peter Parker talking to Tony Stark about how he can't go because he's got to do his homework. And then in the next scene, we get him, you know making fun of iron man you know like did, does that thing obey the laws of physics like we get you know smart that's ass spider that's yeah. captain america oh, so sorry sorry yeah 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 he throws his shield he's like that thing doesn't even obey the laws of physics yeah but i mean we go from that one scene oh, yeah. <laughs> matt matt has conveniently located the dark the the uh, dark gun in the new house but anyway we go from that um we get you know that that severe dichotomy of characterizations like as soon as he puts on the mask spider-man suddenly becomes uber confident at least from an exterior view um which is just what's awesome about spider-man and that that is only you know driven up to 11 when you put him up against somebody like the kingpin yeah i i don't know i'm, I'm still holding out hopes that maybe I'm just saying, if you guys are listening, you're kind of crushing my dreams right now. Somebody should pull their head out of their ass and just do it. Yeah, just do it. Like, this is the thing, you, you, the whole, you, like, Hollywood, if you're listening, stop with this shit. Yeah. You're wrecking stories because you, you, you all are being little dicks. Here's, here's the thing. We don't care about your politics. No. We want to see a movie. Yeah. Um, that's it. Like it doesn't come down. Like I can't. I can't put it more simply than that. Like we like want to go. We talked about and this be entertained for two and a half hours, and talk about what a great fucking job you did. Not 
you don't like this guy because he didn't give you a hand job or whatever. See, and they this is most obvious in Civil War. Like Sony got its head out of its ass, Marvel got its head out of its ass. Now we have Spider Man in the MCU. We're gonna get some MCU characters in Spider Man. Fucking great! We finally get a decent Spider Man story. My understanding of that whole deal now is it didn't work out kind of how they announced everything was going to be, where it was more of like a joint effort. Like, my impression of how this works now is this is Marvel. Like, Sony distributes it, but everything else is Marvel. I was just going to say, like, I I hope, and this to me would make perfect sense if Sony's just like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't care about creativity. Just, we want truckloads of money. Marvel, please uh, uh, come help us out. I think Kevin Feige actually did state that, you know what, we are taking over Spider-Man in production. We're taking care of the creative aspect of it. They're just distributing it. I, Sony, it. I think, has some consultants, and other than that, they distribute which, it. Which is what needs to be done. Like, the, the Sony's Sony's kind of shown, like, they, they don't, I mean, there there are some exceptions. They've done okay with some stuff. You know, uh, Spider-Man 2, as in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2, was really good. Um but uh, Marvel is just pretty much knocking it out of the park every time they step to the plate, and to not uh, try to try to you know steal some of that juice would be stupid on Sony's part. Yeah, I actually just watched um, Amazing Spider-Man, the first Garfield one, which I still like it. It's super good. Yeah, um, I like I look at the casting at that, and maybe Garfield isn't maybe like where I would have gone, you know, with with my next incarnation. But like he kind of he sold me by the end of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then Gwen Stacy, fucking Emma Stone, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't think you could have cast Gwen Stacy better than that. It was kind of like at the end of Deadpool, and they're like, "We're next one's going to have Cable Bitches, played by Keira Knightley. I was like, well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Emma okay. Stone's like that. Like, Emma Stone's going to play, I don't know, King George II. Sure. Yeah. Fuck it. She's yeah. a talented actress. Uh, she could do it. Um, so, um, yeah, I... I like those movies. I, I like both the original Spider-Man movies up until three, which I refuse to exist or refuse to believe exists. Amazing but Spider-Man. Tom Grace, come on, man. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> he he could have been well. He could have been good. That 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 again could have been good. I honestly thought he played the part of Eddie Brock really well. Yeah, there was there was a nugget of positive uh, stuff in there, just a tiny little one. Um, but yeah, we don't want to talk about Spider-Man three. Amazing Spider-Man though, one and two. I really I, I like those movies. But here's the thing. The 15 minutes we got of Tom Holland in in uh, Civil War as uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man just made me realize exactly how, what we were missing from the previous two incarnations. This is the first time I've ever had Morning Wood twice in one day. Right. Yeah. I'm not even sure how that would work, but I'm going to go with it. Well, your morning boner is always the hardest one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, and again, I was reticent about Tom Holland going into the thing. Uh, and we talked about that and I mean, go back and listen to some of the older shows. Uh, I wasn't sure that was going to work out and how wrong I am. Like I will eat that crow. Like no problem. I, I was so wrong and and he is so good. They did digitally remove the giant mole from his face. That's true. So that helps. <clears throat> Maybe they just will. I don't remember Parker having that in any of the comic books that I've ever read. Yeah. That's sort of an odd choice. I don't think they would have had to really explain that. They just leave it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. but they it's didn't. Not that big. I wonder if it'll show up in the movie. Hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Um. 
But what anyway. we got next? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, the cameo, the Civil War cameo. Yeah, so in the Civil War, um, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, the Russo brothers have directed a few episodes of Arrested Development, or uh, maybe even more than a few. I'm not exactly no, it was, sure. They they directed other series, but I think they only had a few episodes on um, on Arrested Development. Are yeah. you an Arrested Development fan? Uh, I have not really watched any of it. I've watched like maybe three episodes. You, you should. Which is about as much as the Russos have directed. You should. There's there's actually kind of an ongoing thing in the show um, because the, the Bluth family... Um, Used to be very, very wealthy. Yeah. And they've had a bit of a fall from grace. And uh, so one, one of the things... One of the few possessions they still have... Is uh, the, the stair car, um, as in you're at the airport and you have that you know car that stares up to the plane they still have the stair car from their the family plane or whatever they don't have the plane anymore they don't have the plane but they have the stair car um and it's very noticeable uh you know it's colored you know very noticeably and uh you know it makes an appearance in civil war yeah the bluth the bluth stair car is at the yeah. airport scene i don't think you actually get like a bluth logo but it is very no, obviously it's there. no it's, it's there, there. Yeah, it's you, there yeah so I linked a, there's an article I linked it in it actually kind of shows a picture of it so and doesn't one of the actors from Arrested Development show up in a small little cameo he is is he in the I think he's in Civil War yes which character are we talking about uh, he's the principal at the school yeah in the beginning with Tony Stark which actor like either his real name or his you know I don't show remember name. damn it's a guy that's talking about faculty getting it's in that article from... though yeah, it's talking about All right. is faculty getting any share of the money from his grants or anything like yeah. that. <laughs> no, this is this says community cast member, not oh community. Oh, community. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. yes. It's community. Sorry, not not eighty. And because the Russo My brothers bad. directed more of the community than they did. Oh, yeah, that definitely is the Bluth stair car. No, no question. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Now that we got that settled, yeah. Um, so, I like the video games, uh, and one of the things that like um, all video games, the video games, lots of video games. I mean, Superman on sixty four. Oh, I wasn't really a big fan of ET. ET for Atari, my favorite game ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I made a joke because Superman sixty four is notoriously the worst game that's ever been made. Not worse than ET for Atari. Really? I promise you. Oh. They buried truckloads of it and wrote them off as a loss. <laughs> That's amazing. That was an urban legend until like last year, the year before. And then, like, and they, then they found, found it. it. Like they probably unearthed it like some archaeological. They thing. did. Yeah. They did. It was amazing. Like what the fuck and now is it's this? Probably worth a like, ton. Some old guy comes tottering up. Like that's a. I remember that. I used to play that on the television. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See. <laughs> Back uh, in the nineteen twenties. Yeah. When Atari's just had the one stick. When I was a wee lad and we only had one button because one button was all you needed to play a good video game. Yeah. Um, You either fell in the pit or you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) The third dimension not having been invented until 1965. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so segueing away from that. Holy (laughs) hell. so one of the video games I like, uh, sort of, is Assassin's Creed. Um, I played the hell out of Assassin's Creed one, two, and the 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 other Assassin's Creed games uh, in the second incarnation. So Brotherhood, Revelations, and the other one. Uh, you might want an umbrella because Ryan's furiously masturbating behind yeah. you. <laughs> um, so I love those games. I played a little bit of Assassin's Creed three. I did not. That that's the first Assassin's Creed game I did not play through completion, and I haven't really touched it since. 
I really like those first few games. Here's my problem, man. I don't have a problem with those video games. In fact, I played the first one for a little while, but I only played them on the PC, and I've never had my computer located in an area where it was really conducive to me playing video games Yeah, that easily. My new setup Finally, might be a little bit different. You, yeah, um, But I never had it on a console. If I had it on a console, I probably would have played a lot more of it. Um, like the Arkham games, because I played Arkham Knight and... Uh, or not Arkham Knight, but Arkham uh, Asylum and City uh, pretty well through. And so I do think I actually bought these games on Steam. Um, and the solution is just hook up a controller. Like, this definitely is a good game to play with a controller. Like, uh, I tried playing it with mouse and keyboard. Um that and was my I, issue with it. I didn't I like did the controls. I did not like it. Yeah. I did not like it all on the mouse and keyboard. Same thing with um, um, the Batman games. Uh, actually, that's not true. I can play that on the keyboard okay, but there's a few games like that that I just... Tomb Raider I have to have a controller for. Yeah, you you really kind of need to play on a controller. So, game's probably still perfectly fine if you still got it like on Steam or something like that. Uh, I think even the PlayStation controllers now, you just plug those bitches right in and they work just fine. So Steam, um, you should sponsor us because we utilize your shit a lot. Yeah, seriously. Um, so check, uh, um, but anyway, this, this, the reason we're talking about this is because this game, which actually, um, especially Assassin's Creed two, I think is really where they did a, a really great job with this story, uh, is coming to the big screen. Uh, Michael Fassbender is presumably playing our hero in, um, Assassin's Creed, the movie. And he's not Ezio from what I understand. It's no. not the Ezio it's character. Completely different storyline. Yeah, I'm not even sure if he's going to play Altair, which is the first uh, um, assassin we get in Assassin's Creed 1. Um, That's right, because Ezio was 2, and then the 2 spinoffs from that. I think, I think the character we're getting from the games... Yeah. I think the character we're getting in the games, um, that, that exists in the games anyway, is the the um, modern-day descendant of, of both Altair and Ezio, whose name I can't fucking remember. Um but he's the one that actually gets abducted by Abstergo and sent into the Animus and actually, you know, goes back and relives his, you know, biological memories and all that stuff. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, the trailer. Um, I don't know. I could go. This game almost has to, or this movie has to almost be like half Inception, right? It sort of is that a little bit. The game is sort of that too. Uh, I could go either way on this trailer though. Like, it does look very Assassin's Creed. Um, it looks, you know, it captures a lot of sort of the iconic things about Assassin's Creed, the game. Um, what I'm not sure about is this could be a little bit like Prince of Persia. Like, Prince of Persia looked like Prince of Persia, except um, for the fact that they cast Jake Gyllenhaal for what the fuck ever reason. I, here's the deal. I'm going to bow out of this. I haven't uh, watched the trailer, but I, I brought in a ringer. So I'm going um, <laughs> to let him speak I to it. I really enjoyed the trailer. I think that... I'm glad, thank God, they're not pulling a character from the games because they can take their own direction where they go. He's playing an assassin called Colm Lynch, and it's in the Spanish Inquisition. And what it is is, through the storyline, is they go into the Animus and they go from your 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 genes to get these memories. But as far as the only thing that threw me out of the trailer was the music; it did not fit. I didn't know what vibe they were going with that, See, and you don't even know if that's the final cut anyway, so it doesn't. That, that that's part sort of the, really matter. That's sort of the thing about this too, to me, is that at least from a trailer's pr perspective, like it, it is very not Assassin's Creed. That's, and I haven't seen the trailer again, so I'm not going to speak like I have any knowledge of this. But Fastbender's a hot fucking commodity right now. Yeah. See, that's kind of so. 
they're gonna do the typical Hollywood thing, and so they're gonna they're they're gonna put it to a good beat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's 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 the Hollywood thing, but it's also a trailer. Like the Warcraft trailer had some weird fucked up music in it too, but I I highly doubt that we're this actually was Kanye West gonna see. Yeah, yeah, it was Kanye West. It did not yeah. make any sense. Well, like fuck you, that then. I probably yeah. you watch it. it and you go, wait, what? Who made this First choice? Off, I know this isn't going to actually make it into the movie. Like, there's no fucking way it'll make it into the movie unless he's listening into some headphones before he gets you know picked up by Abstergo. Um, it's not going to make it into the movie. But it is a like again marketing team. It's a fucking interesting. And when I say interesting, I mean dog shit, stupid choice for Here's my thing, man. Movie. It's gonna take me out of it because there's no way Magneto listens to Kanye. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no incarnation that I've seen of Fastbender would I believe is a Kanye fan. Yeah, Magneto. Magneto himself believes he's Jesus too much to believe that Kanye could be Jesus. So well, they do mention that he is a man of God. Yeah, in the song. Yeah. So the whole the the, the trailer definitely. I don't know. Like I'm hoping they're going to come out with an amazing second trailer, and I'm going to be instantly sold. But watching this trailer, I'm not so sure. It looks it looks visually like Assassin's Creed, but there's just not enough going on in the trailer that I'm like, oh god, this is a must see. Other than that. Like like you said, fast fastbender is a hot commodity, and that's because pretty much everything I've seen him in, he's been fucking amazing. And yeah. so he doesn't mail um, it in. No, like uh, I'm Have one of the, the movie Shame. I haven't seen Shame. Enormous dick. Yeah, fastbender has got. He I, he a is giant one, or he cock. has just it's just like <laughs> no, he's got a giant cock. It just like unrolls and boom. like Liam Neeson ran away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um. I, actually, I was going to mention Steve Jobs. Like Steve Jobs, is a, he's got a huge dick too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what most of his team says. They should know. They took it up the ass. And yeah, I, I guess um, Wozniak. Wozniak can speak from. <laughs> and for what it's worth, I'm actually a he fan still of, wakes up with oily spots. I actually like Jobs. So, um, but anyway, the movie Steve Jobs. Um, uh, when I first saw the trailer, I first heard that thing it was a thing. I was like, "And you cast Fastbender? Like he doesn't? He's not Jobs at all, but he he does an amazing job as Steve Jobs." Which, I mean, again, he's an actor. Like, Here, my problem with that movie when I when I heard the announcement was, "You're making it. another movie about Steve Jobs? Isn't there already two of them? Yeah, just since he died like six days ago, <laughs> like." uh I don't know. Is there two? I there's think there's two. There's three. Yeah, there was. There was a. Um, I know there was, there was one the with Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. There was an independent biopic that somebody did that actually gained quite a bit of traction, and then the Kutcher movie came out, and then the Fassbender movie. He, um, you know, first off, making them that close together is probably stupid. Uh, I didn't see the Kutcher film, and that's because it couldn't even, as a, you know, I would say pretty big fan of both Apple and Jobs, and, you know, it, maybe not fan is the best word. Jobs is just really interesting to me, and Jobs' history and throughout Apple and all that stuff is really interesting. His to Apple me. stuff aside, the dude did a lot that people don't even realize, like Pixar and shit. Like, yeah. Like yeah. 90% of the people out there with an iPhone probably still don't even understand that without him, they don't have the Incredibles or cars or anything like that there's all kinds of amazing things like and first off even jobs wouldn't like take creative you know um he he just 
really was a big stepping stone for Pixar to get to be in an opportunity place to ever make the, those movies. But there's a lot of things that are interesting about Jobs. And the other thing that's really interesting is his life, actually, his life story is set up perfectly like a film. Like, he has this meteoric rise, this massive fall from grace, and then a, a illegitimate daughter that he doesn't acknowledge until after the public finds out he has her. Yeah. Uh, um, there, there's a lot of drama in all of those steps, and then you finally, you close off with this sort of, again, massive humongous you know rise where we've got from 1998 apple where they that you know we have major sh- you know like michael dell saying if i were uh, if i were um apple i'd just give all the shares back to the shareholders or sell the shares and give all the money back to the shareholders because they're going to fold any minute and that was legitimately the case like they could fold any minute um to today apple's but, bigger than exxon dude it's depending it's on what day so of the week weird it is. because like he was essentially forced out of his position as ceo with apple yeah and not too long after that like they were ready to cave and before then like they had like there wasn't a like my school my high school that i went to had one fucking pc in it every other computer in that fucking place was, was an a apple. mac yeah yeah uh, or an apple II. we had apple twos all over the place um we had macs actually by that point because we were See, what's interesting to me about this, and like, it's easy to have a flame war on the internet about Apple's versus PC and Steve Jobs was a dick. And, you know, this comes up like every five minutes on Reddit, somebody posts a thread. Like, here's the thing I learned Jobs didn't love his daughter or something like that. Everything that everybody posts from either side of that is absolutely right, which means it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. That's. Um, He's like it's he's just an interesting person. Like there's this whole storied history, um, it just that makes him an interesting character in history. You know, uh, so whatever. Anyway, that's a hell of a long way to say uh, Fastbender is a pretty good actor um, with a huge cock, apparently. <laughs> um, and then uh, I don't know. Would we got anything else we want to talk about, or should we wrap up? We got one more thing on the notes. What else we got on the notes? We got a Kirkman AMA. Oh yeah, you put the Kirkman. I, I I actually read. I skimmed over a lot of this. Um, so, are you familiar with uh, Robert Kirkman at all? I know of him and The Walking Dead. You wrote all of those. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Um, for those of you again playing the home game, Matt is pointing to uh, a massive collection of Walking Dead comics. Um, probably all of them. No, um, just about all of them. I'm like missing this? like 21 through wherever they're at right now. Oh, gotcha. But. They're not at 50. No, there's, it's there's like 152 or something. Those? Those are graphic novels, though. So, like, there's only, like, 23, 24. Oh, oh, oh trade, trades or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, I'm missing, like, four of them. So, uh, Robert Kirkman is, of course, the writer of The Walking Dead. He um, was doing a show, uh, an AMA now, uh, to promote Outcast, um, which is a new show he's got coming out on Showtime. Based on a different comic book that property that he writes. Yeah, which actually does look kind of interesting. Um, it's quite a bit different from The Walking Dead, although it does share some similar um, story uh, telling aspects. Um, it, it feels a little Kirkman esque, um, but it does feel you know pretty radically different from The Walking Dead. So anyway, he did an AMA basically to promote that whole thing. And this one I think is actually scary rather than The Walking Dead, which is slightly yeah, gory th- sometimes, this but is, not. Yeah, this is supposed overly to be frightening. For, I mean, The Walking Dead I think at its core is a drama. Um, this is not this is this does seem to be like some sort of horror sort of show you know like all uh uh, american horror story or something like that um but he did an ama on reddit and first um usually when you see an ama on reddit uh uh 
So for those of you unfamiliar, an AMA, AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. Um, and that sort of started off as a legitimate, like, literally ask me whatever you want to ask me about anything. And then depending on who actually is giving the AMA, so sometimes it's like Robert Kirkman, uh, and sometimes you, know, you have like a train wreck like Woody Har- Harrelson, who um, did not get the ask me anything part about the whole AMA process. And so as soon as he was asked a question, you know, not related to the current thing he was trying to promote, which was Rampart uh, at the time, he says, no, let's just stick to Rampart. And he, you know, proceeded to get completely flamed in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Lots of people have done them though. And there's some really, really fucking good ones out there. Lots of super famous people. Nathan Um, Fillion has done them. Uh, Little guy, uh, Barack Obama. Barack Obama did one. Yeah. Yeah. so depending on who you get, you sometimes get like honestly, obviously. Stanley did one. The the president of the United States can't necessarily sit around for twelve hours and do an AMA, but there have been plenty of people. Uh, Zach Braff has done AMAs that have gone on for like twelve or fourteen hours. Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl did one that was, uh, I, his wasn't like twelve hours, but it was five or six, and yeah. it was fucking amazing. And and so here's the ask me anything part about the AMA process, which is what's really great about it is. People literally do ask anything, and so sometimes that's related to things that the um, actor, you know, celebrity has done. Or it, it, AMAs aren't exclusively for celebrities, although that's become you know mainly what you see these days. Um, but in, in the case of Kirkman, uh, invariably there's always the "Why is the sky blue?" question as well, which or or something. I in, think Neil deGrasse Tyson answered. Yeah, but, which actually that kind of makes awesome. that kind of makes sense for, <laughs> for, awesome. for 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 Tyson. So, but. Uh, what what is different, you know, from your typical your typical celebrity promo stop, you know, say for example when they do the late show, uh, um, you know, whoever is doing the late show now, it's not like Fallon's going to come out and say, hey, that last episode of season six, why did it suck so bad? Yeah, why was that such a train wreck? Um, but that question came up about a thousand times in this AMA, and here again is how you can j- basically judge a good AMA participant: do they even attempt to answer it? Um, and so Kirkman did. Uh, Kirkman yeah. answered that question, um, which I'll let you go read because I'm not going to do a good enough job remembering exactly what he says. Basically, says give it time. When you see a, a seven one uh, season seven episode one, you're probably going to forgive a, a lot of what happened in the finale. It's going to have to be a really strong episode. Yeah, I think he's wrong. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, that's going to be hard. I'll, I'll probably like the episode, but I, I think- still think the whole thing was a goddamn ploy, and it was a. Uh, nothing more than a greedy fucking ratings grab for the see, first episode he, of he does seven. even address those types of things a little bit more too yeah, he does and to his credit like he didn't have to but he did see and, and that's that's what i'm saying like um so the kirkman ama was really interesting from that standpoint of like he took some of the hardball questions like and the other thing you often see with some of these you know the good ones and the bad ones the good ones uh answer all kinds of questions and if you're robert kirkman even though you're there to promote outcast you have to believe Nobody knows nearly as much about your tiny little, you know, comic book in comparison relative to, say, The Walking Dead. Uh, um, and they're going to ask you about that. Like, same thing. Like, this is like the, you know, the classic Alec Guinness problem. Um, Alec Guinness, you know, had this long career of doing, you know, very technical, you know, drama and so on. And the only thing people know him as is fucking Obi-Wan. And he hated it till the day he died. Yeah. Um, but see, that's, that's the thing. Like you, you have to expect that's going to be a thing. Um, when you do, you know, something that's this massively iconic, um, some bands rebel against their, you know, say quote unquote one hit, uh, like Radiohead doesn't play creep anymore from what I understand. Uh, and which is terrible because it's a good song. Yeah. And, and to be fair, um, they've got a huge catalog of awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, the other 
the other hand, uh, though, Creep is a good song. Uh, it, it is their most popular song. I'm sure they get the most requests for it. Um, but it's a good song, so fucking play it sometimes. Here's here's the You're thing, man. Fans happy. I have I have there's there's two ways you can look at this, and that is number one. As much as Kirkman is like the top executive producer on the Walking Dead TV show now, like it's still ultimately not his call at the end of the day. Um, although they he's been through a couple showrunners now because he's butted heads with them, and I think Darabont probably is the most vocal one about the the headbutting situation going on. Oh, really? He was like, "Hey, I tried to totally rape your product, and then you got mad at me for it." Yeah, it weird. Um, Gimple, I think for the most part, really does have the audience's best interest at heart because the dude is a total nerd, like straight up, like f- to the core. Since um, Gimple's taken over, it's felt a lot more like The Walking Dead to me. It has, um, and and I think I I do I dig Gimple as as a showrunner and whatnot. Um, the other piece of it too is Kirkman always wants to do something that's a little bit more out of the box because if you do a TV show, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but if you do a TV show that's the exact same as the comic book that you've already read, it gets kind of stale after a while for the people that have actually read the comic book. And you don't want to lose those guys because that's your your core. Yeah. Without without people understanding what The Walking Dead is, you don't get first-time viewers. You know what I mean? Like some some Somebody was banking on the fact that the comic book sold enough copies that they could do a TV show. So... To, in, in Kirkman's defense, like it's gotta be tough to be a dude who has this product that everybody likes, but probably forty percent of the people that like it think they know the product better than you do. Oh yeah, you know I, what I mean. I'm sure that's the case, but sometimes you know um, they're not wrong. Uh, in fact, one of the most famous problems I think in Hollywood when you come, you know, to when it comes to adapting a a um, a work of some sort so you know like the you know the other thing that springs to mind as far as passionate fandom goes is game of thrones um when you when it comes to adapting a song of fire and ice um there are certain things you have to do if they had treated the red wedding the same way uh they we'd still be rioting i'm just saying like that that shit would have shut down wherever that gets shot at like um there, there's a lot of things like that too where you have uh, um, sort of examples of well we wanted to have a new and interesting take on this character except for it's total dog shit um, yeah so I, I think it's a really fine line to walk like you need to recognize what sort of iconic things exist about your universe that you cannot absolutely fuck with um, and so in this moment I think they had that moment uh, they needed to do they needed to give the bat um, what they I'm not sure they needed to do was give it to the character that got it in the comics I think they could have done that still and it would have had the same effect had they gone a different route with you know who got the bat in the uh show versus the comic um but i think that um spoiling that moment uh really missed a big iconic thing about that particular property yeah here's the and that's the thing is they they teased that all season long that's the other thing yeah that's the other thing and then like at the end they just pulled the rug out from under everybody it, it, it it's like the biggest set of like blue balls you know you're gonna get outside of you know it's like something sexual a dude who's been running from actual zombies like all through the day and all through the night he gets to your doorstep and then like right before he gets there like you fucking just shove him down the steps and close the door yeah like on say fear the walking dead um we haven't talked about that at all i'm behind it. on it i've only watched the first three episodes of it so i know you didn't see anything on the first season yeah. Is it yeah. any good? Fear? Yeah, yeah. The first season. The first season was 
decent. It, it took a little bit to get going. Like the first episode was was kind of slow. It picked up real quick after that. Um, but it 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 still hadn't like found its its feet yet. And then with season two, they they did a lot better. They started out a little bit more stable and whatnot. I think if you like The Walking Dead, you'll probably like Fear of the Walking Dead. In fact, the only thing that I think you could really say about Fear of the Walking Dead, um, the story is a little bit slower, I think, comparatively, especially at this time frame. And, and the second part is it's kind of a, a little bit of, his, uh, of it is an old hat. Um, it's familiar. It's comfortable. Um, but that's one of the reasons The Walking Dead is, I think, the thing that it is, because it was a very different property um, yeah. when it started. So. Um, it was a very interesting, new, different thing to see on TV compared to what we're, uh, you know, now where we're yeah. used to it. We're six seasons in, you know, starting on a seventh and, you know, so the thing I do kind of like about it, uh, is the zombies are fresher now. See, and I... so there's, there's more going on with those than, than we've seen recently. Cause, and, and this is the way it should be. So I'm not complaining by any means, but like on the standard walking dead show, the zombies are kind of in the yeah. background yeah i mean they're they're there but they're not the omnipresent threat at this point yeah whereas in fear of the walking dead um you have basically two things assaulting you at once you have the human condition where people are scrambling to try and figure out what their place is now that there's fucking zombies everywhere and then you have the zombies of which there are a lot more of at this point because people haven't figured out the rules quote unquote yeah um so one thing I noticed is that I feel like I feel a lot more tense when I yeah. watch Fear. Um, there's a lot more tension, I think, especially with anything related to the zombies when I watch Fear of the Walking Dead than when I do The Walking Dead. Yeah, like now it's just like you see if you you see like six zombies and Carl's just standing there, you're like he'll be fine. You see one with basically any character on Fear, and you're like, well, they're probably going to make it out because plot force, but like it is tense. Like they may not, you know, like right. We don't know at this point like who the core group is going to be in two seasons so yeah that's the only thing that i think is a little bit disappointing is that um the walking dead left that a lot more open and that's one of the things that i don't like actually about what they've done with this last season they're given the they're given the quote-unquote core group a little bit too much plot armor and that's one of the things that i'm not excited about like this is one of the reasons why i kind of do hope we see the same character get the bat in the show because that would be a massive blow for character plot armor um, in, in the show, are you familiar with the comics at all? I know that Glenn gets the bat. Yeah, that's why I haven't been spoiling it. We've we've talked about it <laughs> oh. before on the show, so I was wondering yeah. why you're tiptoeing around that. But yeah, um, the only other character that would be as impactful is Daryl, and I don't know what the likelihood of that is. Um, Maggie, uh, I think Maggie would be pretty impactful considering that she's pregnant at the time. There's a lot. Of, well, first off, it, it, at this point, I think with the difference between the two universes, um, I think anybody in the show, except Aaron, yeah, would, no, yeah, yeah, any of the core group in the show, I think it they could die, and that would have a humongous impact on the show. Um, what I, you know, what 
mainly leads me to believe that it's going to be you know either Glenn or somebody like Daryl is that they're wild cards as far as the um, comics are concerned. Like uh, Maggie, like you said, Maggie, and you're right that that would be totally a huge thing. But she's got a pretty big arc coming up in the comic book continuity. Which they could fill in different ways. We've already you could seen have that. Glenn fill too. that role instead of Maggie. If you, you wanted could. To. Um, we, we've already seen like where Michonne is taking over what we saw comic book Andrea uh, in a lot of ways, and she's actually kind of been split. You know, comic Andrea is sort of being quasi played by Sasha and Michonne. You know, sort of in you know different aspects and different roles. But yeah, um, you could definitely can't do something take you different. seriously when you say quasi. Huh? Quasi? Quasi? Yeah. Whatever. No, it's quasi. I just, just the only other person I know that uses it regularly is Doctor Evil. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's quasi evil yeah quasi um now i'm gonna notice it every time i say it thanks a lot you prick <laughs> um well you know damn it you ruined a word for me today i hope See, you're happy. this is just all you people that think we're really friends in real life <laughs> we actually hate each other on a daily basis yeah um so anyway, uh, the Kirkman AMA, super great. Um, Fear the Walking Dead, I'm actually really enjoying. I'm a couple of episodes behind from current. Um, Casey and I'll probably catch up sometime this next week. But when I say it's an old hat, you know, old hats are comfortable. Like, that's one of the things that I like. And, that's and fair. It's comfortable, but it is different enough that, like, I do like that we get, you know, like, one of the big things about the Walking Dead in general is the whole, you know, like, what's your zombie survival theory? What's your, you know, what's going to work? And so we've saw another big popular theory play out on screen a little bit and how that might work. Um, and that's that in itself is interesting. That's enough for me to watch the show as long as they don't fuck it up too badly. I'm banking on the fact that I can brew beer. Yeah, that's that's my survival technique. Yeah, I can get you drunk. I, I'm, <laughs> you keep me alive, I'll keep you drunk. That's that's, that's why my zombie survival <laughs> plan is actually get to Matt's. So. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show for this week. No, it's um, not. It's not? We got no, more? We got comic books to talk about. Oh, we didn't. We just didn't put it in the show notes. Yeah, we got some comic books to talk about. Holy shit, I'm messing stuff up. Forget um, that. We're not ending the show right now. All right, so we're on E, so we'll be back to talk about comic books in just a moment. Yep. Okay, so it's been weeks. Uh, Matt and I have both been woefully behind reading our comic books. And, yeah. But, but we managed to come to an agreement that we could read three entire issues to talk about on the show in the last two in weeks the last, well yeah to, well i don't think we've talked about comics to in be, like a month, yeah so. and to be fair i've been really shitty about maintaining my digital comic collection so yeah and i've been really shitty about actually reading comics because there's lo- lots of stuff i have to read i just keep not doing it um but in the spirit of the bat this week we've decided that um the the issues that we were going to read this week um we're going to be batman 51 52 and the Dark Knight 3, issue 4. Yeah, so um, first off, if you're not entirely familiar, we talked about this on the show before, but um, Batman and the New 52 in general is coming to a close. Um, we are soon going to... Wednesday, we DC Rebirth number one drops. Yeah, so we're getting the Rebirth uh, thing. So the Rebirth we've talked about on the show before as well. Which if Eddie gets the show edited and posted tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's going to come out before this one is. Anyway, we talked about Rebirth. Oh, which Wednesday it's going to be? Whatever. Uh, we talked about Rebirth before, but essentially what it is is it's going to be... Um, yeah, with the New 52, D- DC rebooted their universe and threw out a lot of the old comic continuity. And now what they're saying is sort of like, you know, that was a little too hardcore. Like, we threw out a lot of good stuff, too. So they're bringing back in the best of both things, and they're calling that Rebirth, essentially. So the original premise behind the New 52 was it was an alternate universe that was created at, um, following the events of a Flash story arc the flashpoint, called flashpoint. Right. yeah um 
The problem is, is that DC's original intent with the New 52 is that everything that had happened in the past was still going to be considered canon and continuity, but it was all said to have taken place within a five-year period of time. Can't happen. No. That means Batman's gone through three fucking Robins in five years. It's been a shitty, Which, shitty half decade I mean, for Batman. If you really put on a cape and cowl and then adopt a fucking tween age kid as a sidekick, <laughs> you probably will go through three of them in five years. Hey, if you if you make it that long, actually, I'd, I'd kudos. You'll like, probably also do jail time. But yeah. um, so it was. It didn't take very long for people to realize that that couldn't happen. So they basically stopped acknowledging pieces of continuity that were pretty legitimate pieces of continuity: Superman dying, Batman getting his back broken. Um, Green Lantern and Jeff Johns had done such a good job of reimagining that entire universe that that continuity basically just kept going. Yeah. Like there was no change in that, but there was change everywhere else. So it made it really hard to mesh everything. Um, Hal Jordan would be uh, doing missions with the Justice League and whatnot. Um, but he wouldn't even be a Green Lantern when you read Green Lantern because of the story arc that was taking place there. So yeah. just, just lots of misses. There's there's a lot of continuity issues and um you know the big thing was whatever they said you know they were planning on doing the reality was that they were using this as a way to hook new comic book fans in because one of the uh, comic things that everybody sort of has to get over the hump of is comic book continuity for a lot a lot of different books goes back hundreds and hundreds of issues and so there's just never any way you're going to ever be caught up yeah. um so they wanted to sort of alleviate that a little bit and catch some new readers. And the way that they did that was basically saying, well, here's the flashpoint. All of that stuff still exists. So we're not fucking over our old fans, you know, a ton, but uh, now you don't have to know all that shit. Cause we're going to do it uh, a new thing. And for the most part, you don't need to know any of that shit to do is to do the new thing. Um, but like Matt said, there was a lot of continuity issues that threw that off. And there was a lot of problems that basically caused it so that we were throwing out a lot of stuff that was uh, probably worth keeping. So, well, it's it's things like this. Like, I mean, I, if I say the, the the word Superman to you, like, what's one of the other characters that comes to mind immediately? Uh, wait, Superman well, continuity. Superman continuity. I would obviously like Doomsday. I'm I'm talking just like not even a not even villain. Like, oh, Lois Lane. There you go. Didn't happen. Yeah. In the New Fifty Two, like he was as in Clark, Wonder Clark Woman. and Lois. Yeah, never happened in the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Um, so things like that just kind of disappeared. Um, the purpose of Rebirth coming out this next week is um, Jeff Johns basically came out and said, look, we don't want to consider this a hard reboot necessarily because we're keeping some elements that the New 52 had to offer, um, but we're bringing back the best of what made those characters who they are. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they're going to address that in the book if they do it all. Um, like, I don't follow close enough uh much to my chagrin is there a, a sort of event like flashpoint that's supposed to tie these things together not that i know of yeah so that's going to be kind of an interesting thing like i'm not sure if they you know maybe they you're, they're just going to read you're going to read the book and you'll figure it out i'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen yeah um i there i got some other things that'll that'll drop after we talk about these issues um because i know you probably haven't read it so i'll i'll yeah touch on that later but okay so let's talk uh batman 51 Batman 51. This is That's the last the, issue. This um, is Gotham episode book issue. That's the way I think of it anyway. Is it the way it sounded when you were trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. describe it to me? No, I was describing I issue 52 thought, to you. Oh, you were? Yeah. Issue 51 was a, it, like the premise of the entire issue was what is Gotham? Like what is Gotham to you? What is Gotham to you? You know, that kind of a oh, thing. Oh, okay. Um, 
this was the last issue that was written by Scott Snyder and uh, drawn by Greg Capullo, who worked collab- collaboratively together through most of the New 52. There were some issues where Capullo didn't do the art, but Scott Snyder wrote every single story. Yeah. Um, it was... <sighs> These were hard issues for me because the main major story arc that had been going on throughout Batman, it ended in issue 50 and you know, you're ending the series after issue 52. So you basically have two issues, one with your core writer that you've had the entire time. And then another one with a different writer just coming in. Um, so you basically have this one shot to say goodbye to your, your writer that you've had for the last several years. Yeah. This book was very much a swan song. Um, they both were, I mean, they both were sort of like, well, we know we can't do anything super big, so we're going to make them basically good send-offs to Batman. I, and, and a little bit, what I think about both of these issues is, I, I want them to exist, but on the other hand, I think it would have been a lot cleaner if they figured out a way to make it end on, the, the main storyline end on issue 52. I really did like the, okay, so, I, I liked issue 51. I did too. Um, and I'll tell you why, because, so it, it deals with the power outage. All of a sudden, there's a rumbling and the entire city of Gotham goes dark, right? Yep. Batman's like, well, this is Gotham. So something fucked up. This isn't, this isn't a natural disaster. This is this, somebody's doing this. And like, he goes to all his old haunts, you know, just like first thing he hits is Arkham. Oh, they're, they're breaking the inmates out. So he goes to Arkham. Nope. Their new security measures are working fine. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just kind of the series of events. Um, And then like, you get to the end of it and they find out that it really is just a power outage. Yeah. Um, and, so I, but like the whole premise is like Batman is looking for something to be wrong, to be majorly wrong because it's Gotham. And like, this is the major surprise for Batman because Gotham can surprise even Batman sometimes. And in this particular case, the surprise is that there's no villainy afoot. So the backdrop for this issue actually is a, um, a writer he's got a column and one i don't know if it's like the gotham you know proper story whatever anyway he's got a column and he's writing this column and um he he it's the gotham is column yeah gotham is so the the premise is gotham is blank fill in the blank and so the, the premise essentially is that um each week people write in to say gotham is whatever gotham is a cesspool gotham is a you know whatever uh so they go from there and as it explains throughout the book um the the writer of the column says you know when when we started especially you know a few years back it was just so dark like you'd get nothing but you know gotham is a cesspool gotham is a haven for criminal activity gotham is all of these terrible terrible things um but time goes on and you know it, it he specifically mentions batman and says you know like essentially like gotham you know these suddenly these these started to change you know uh, gotham started started to get better and, and what i liked about this issue is that, that sort of the penultimate uh thing in here is him saying you know so thank you batman take a night off you deserve it and thanks to you you finally probably can and the entire time what what's i think awesome about this is that batman doesn't take a night off like Batman's going around because there's this power outage, uh, um, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Because Batman doesn't take nights off. Turns out, small seismic activity was just a fluke power outage. Yeah, Batman could have taken the night off, but that's just not who Batman is. Yeah. So like, I love I love that aspect of it. Like they did a great job with that. And, whole thing. and the writer of the column was a callback uh, because he was a character that Batman had encountered that was part of a um, criminal organization. Um, 
a couple of years back. Um, yeah. And I, I believe that was pulled directly from continuity. I've read all 52 issues. Of that I'm pretty series. sure it was too, because it did strike. A, it did ring a bell. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of cool. It was like, he was just like, look, I was down the wrong path, but he, you fixed me basically. Kind yeah, of thing. He, he, he basically, he said, you know, like I was expecting you to kill me, but you know, you left me hooked up. I got picked up. I uh, did my bid, and now I'm, I go to school, and I'm, I write this column, and you know. And he's not the first one to write the column either. He acknowledges that he's like, I'm not the first person to write this column, and I'm probably not the best, but this is what I do, and and all that kind of stuff. So that that issue was definitely um, a good goodbye for a good creative team, I think. Um, and as much as this creative team maybe didn't write the Batman that I think a lot of people have been used to for all these years, um, they did a good job of doing something different than what had been done in the past. Um, it'll be interesting to see who picks up the pen next and, and actually has a good run on Batman, whether we get a few writers here and there just until we, we find some traction or, or what, yeah. but you know, overall, um, well, I guess we'll do our whole review of the whole new 52 Batman in a second, but, um, I like this issue. This is a solid issue. Like I said, for all the complaints I have about, um, um, you know, they should have just figured out a way to end the proper continuity on issue 52, um, it's not really that big a deal. I, I, and I'm glad that this issue came about. I really enjoyed it. Um, issue 52, uh, the, the final issue, um, as Matt said, is now done by, you know, basically a one-off and I forget who either the writer or the artist was, but I actually think I might've liked this one a little bit more. See, and I felt completely opposite. I thought this was the biggest throwaway issue there was. Oh, really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me an entire, a whole lot because this is one of the things that was not, um, Nothing new here, essentially. New idea, or new take on, you know, a similar idea that you've seen, I think. But I, I really liked it, so. Um, part of me was I hated the art. Yeah. And to me, a comic book has to have both elements. Like, you can have great writing, but if the art's really shitty, like... it, it A comic book is a graphic medium. I mean, you can do a comic book with all pictures, I mean, but it doesn't really do it justice. Like, you've got to have good dialogue and good art and that's just i mean i didn't i didn't care for the art that much in this the only thing i didn't really like about the art is that it, it's just the change like uh i don't know I, I guess i'd have to go back and examine it a little bit more thoroughly but um for me the, the thing is that it's just jarring because the art was different um and, and especially for the last issue like again this is another thing that i wish they could have done a little bit differently like i wish they could have had the you know capullo and snyder finish up the book like that that they really should have um i think they did both guys a disservice by not having um, both Snyder and Capullo and the um, writer and artist on this book. Yeah. I, by not having him finish it up. I'll tell you, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. They just didn't do a very good job of bringing me, like, I they didn't have my buy-in, you know, through the whole thing. Like, and I was telling Ryan this earlier, like, I was three pages in, and I knew how the book was going to end. Yeah, I kind of did too. So, that was my only, my only major gripe about it. It's just like, if you're going to do something, I mean, this is obviously a throwaway issue anyway. Um, and it's, it's not meant to be anything more than that because you you can't start a new story arc until the rebirth happens. So you're just like, okay, I'm going to write a Batman story now. Yeah. I, I guess I'll go back to when he was a kid and I'll make him write a notebook. Yeah. Um, see, but I, I don't know for everything you didn't like about it. I, I did like that. Like I'd, <laughs> I, uh, we we don't have to agree on everything. No, the the art didn't bother me. Uh, the art didn't bother me in the book. Um, um, in fairness, though, I haven't been reading books, comic books, nearly as long. So I, there's only like 
only a few books have I read where I've been like, God, I cannot stand the art in this book. Um, to me, it was more like the fact that it was it was a trope. Yeah. And it's a trope that's been done a thousand fucking times in comic books. See, and that's that's like a problem I don't have because I haven't really experienced that. So that's probably part of it. Um, the other thing, too, is like I am a little bit of a sucker for tropes. Like this is a very, very like Batman story. Like th- there's there's nothing like shocking or uh, um, too different about it. Uh, it. It does feel, you know, like it is a little bit almost like a Batman Begins montage in some respects. Uh, um, but I, I'm kind of a sucker for that. Like when you have a good trope like that, like I like it. Like as much fun as I make fun of like, you know, do we have to figure out Spider-Man's origin story every time as if we don't already know Spider-Man's origin story every time? I still kind of like that anyway. Um. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get where you're coming from on that. I can't say that I would have been happy if I had to sit through another Spider-Man origin story. No, and I, I really don't think they should. But I also don't think that like there, there, there's a lot of people that'd be like, oh fuck, come on," and I'd just be like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. Um. So to me, I definitely like Fifty One better than Fifty Two. That's fair. Uh, um. You didn't. I think uh, in retrospect, I probably will. I think the story, the the story is. Um, Once I make you read more comics. I, I think, you know, story-wise, um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a sucker for tropes, so I think that's one of the things that that, that did it for me. And I, and I actually did really like the last the last page. I, I really enjoyed the last page, even though I saw it coming a mile away. Like, I really did like that last page. We got to see Alfred be a little bit less of a dick this, this issue than he has been yeah. so far. Um, although I kind of like the fact that the last several issues of this, of this book that excuse me that we've had uh it's the beer talking totally professionals um i mean the last the last several issues of this book alfred has been really really fucking down on bruce for choosing to step back into the life of of batman you know what i mean oh yeah yeah so there's that uh and he's a little bit less of a self-pitying alfred i think in in 52 which i did respect that quite a bit I yeah the fifty two Alfred is just that's an that's a motherfucker trying to ice skate uphill like it's, it's ba- Batman is Batman like you just can't get around it like yeah. you can bemoan the tragedy that is you know Batman's life all you want but he lays it on they lay it on a little thick in in, in the new fifty two yeah um so let's let's move on to the Dark Knight three what uh, this is issue number four it's been a long time coming. Uh, we yeah. already reviewed the first three issues, and that was months to fucking go. Yeah, and this issue just came out this last week, so this is not like we just haven't recorded For it in a once, long time. It's not our fault. Yeah, yeah. this is um, in typical Dark Knight fucking style. Frank Miller is just not on time. No, <laughs> so um, so Dark Knight, as written by uh, Frank Miller, this is Dark Knight three. Um, uh, pretty strong reviews for the first three issues. We, I think Eddie and I both really liked uh, the first three issues so far. Um, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I, I like this one too. Like uh, the the scene with where the the um, Candor the Candorians go after Cal, which this is the, the evil shitty, Candorians. Yeah, this is the thing that really actually kind of sucks about um, taking this long between books. Like I had to really stop and think, like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. What the fuck is the problem again? Um, that scene was brutal like and i loved it like uh i'm hoping i don't know if i'm hoping but I, i'm hoping they sort of figure a way out of that at some point but at the same time if they don't like just so hardcore i loved it so 
Um, there's a lot of good things in this. So this issue is mostly predicated on um, the fact that uh, Superman and Wonder Woman's daughter, Laura, Laura, I'll go with Lara, Lara, has aligned herself with the Kandorians, um, who are not nice people. Um, the no. majority of the Kandorians were probably great, but these ones killed them when they. <laughs> Yeah, this is like, a, I don't know, the the equivalent of like the cult taking over sort of Kandorians. It's like the Branch Davidian of, yeah. of the Kandorians. Right. Um, and nobody's going to know what I'm talking about, but whatever, look it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, she beats the shit out of her dad Just, quite a bit because he won't fight back in yeah. true Superman style. Um, and then one of the penultimate scenes though, is, is uh, when they were, when he was talking about these are my people and the Kandorian leader is basically like, see, he's chosen his side. He's the humans, blah, blah, blah. That's who Clark is. Yeah. So I can't even remember who delivers the line. Like, it, but he just says, you know, the same thing I said earlier in the show that I was alluding to Kal-El of earth, which is entirely correct. Yeah. In the best way. Like that's who Superman is. Superman is the absolute best of humanity just with godlike powers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and it's easy to characterize them in different ways, and they make good Elseworlds, sto- Elseworlds stories, I think. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of what they're doing a little bit in Man of Steel and that whole universe. Um, but that, that to me is not what Superman is. This is what Superman is. Like, and that this, I think, gets that aspect of it right. He won't fight back with his daughter, even though his daughter kicks the shit out of him for what I think they said was hours in, in the book. Um, and And the best the best piece of this is Diana knowing what's going on and choosing not to intervene because she knows that Clark wouldn't want her to. Yeah. Um, and then like there's, a, there's an ultimatum given by the Kandorian leader that if they don't, that if Gotham city doesn't turn over Batman within 36 hours, then they're going to basically level Gotham. And um, the whole, the whole thing with Diana and her knowing that Bruce Wayne is, yeah, gonna fight back no matter what because that's what Batman does. Um, is pretty fucking awesome. Um, there's a really brutal scene involving the Flash. Yeah, I'm not even entirely sure I got what was happening there. That was one of the Kandorians. Okay, for a second there, because of the coloring, I thought that was one of the bad boys or something, and I was like, what? The? That no, doesn't make that any was one of the Kandorians. Like the Flash is doing his level best to zip around and try and do something important, and all of a sudden one of the Kandorians fucking just flies directly into his legs while he's running and his yeah skids halfway across the city and lands there all broken and shit see i don't know maybe it's because i was going to the through this issue too fast but when i read that i thought that that was like a bat boy you know basically tripping him uh, um and running at that speed you know basically breaking the hell out of his leg but that makes a lot more sense so yeah it was a kandorian yeah yeah not just tripping on him tripping him but like flying into him with almost as much velocity as the flash was running with so yeah um which, you know, the Flash can do some cool healy things, but uh, the Flash is, you know, basically human as, as far as that kind of thing comes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we have some interesting stuff going on with Ray Palmer, too. That was that was actually kind of one of the coolest parts of it because yeah, he, like for all intents and purposes, has been shrunk beyond the point. Like, yeah, if you guys have seen Ant-Man, you've, you've seen the premise, like, don't go too small. Yeah. It, it does bad things. Um, and that's sort of what's going on with Ray. And... Uh, I like that scene too. He's like, presumed dead, but like at this point, like he's like, wait a minute, I can fix this. And that was like the last line of the book, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um, 
this issue I think wasn't as strong to me as like issues two and three were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it was a good book. It, it did a good job of, of moving the story forward. And, and I'm really interested to know what happens with Clark because his fortress has been leveled at this point. Cause when she beat the shit out of him, she kicked his ass all the way to fucking Antarctica. Yeah. And or arc the Arctic, uh, wherever the fuck Clark is the uh, top of the world. Yeah. I assume it's the that's Arctic. the Arctic. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, the the hard scene is um, the Kandorians essentially encase him in dark matter, then use their combined heat vision to basically fry that shit shut, and then bury him in presumably the center of the Earth, and then wrap that in some more. You know, so Clark is pretty fucked at this point. Um, Ray's subatomic though; he can probably figure it out I from think, there. I think you're probably right. Um, that's that's my that's my comic book intuition as to where that's going. Yeah, I actually kind of hope it is. That would be kind of a cool way to do that. Um, so Clark is presumably alive, or I get the impression that he's definitely alive, but um, really just in a shitty, shitty position right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I like I like that whole scene. Like, um, just anything that that levels Superman in the way that they did in this book is like oh, that's that's a threat. Like, you know, the Kandorians are obviously being giant dickholes, but when it comes down to it, they they are. Um, Kryptonian, and we can see what one Superman does, you know, and and we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of Kandorians that are being total dickholes. So, and then our um, and the only thing standing in their way is fucking Batman. Our post, or or what do you call a story like that? <laughs> I don't these, even know. These the, the Dark Knight Three is is um. So you want to talk about art that you hate? I hated the art in that. In the second book, the the post sort of after the because it's all Frank Miller art. The Batgirl did not like Frank Miller. Frank Miller should just write. That's my opinion. That's that's one of the things I hated about the Dark Knight Two or the Dark Knight Strikes Again is it's entirely Frank Miller art and it's see no that that makes sense because I remember when we actually talked about that book. I said I really really hated the the art in that book. Yeah. Um. The way that these books are done are really weird because they are, um, it's, you get the main story and there's a second book that goes along with these. Yeah. Um, the, the first three issues were the same. Um, I liked, it's like a two third to one third ratio too. like a third of the book. It's a, it's a, it's a teeny little secondary book. Um, what I liked though about the first several issues and Eddie almost didn't read it the first time around. Um, I think you, I think you, you mentioned that you almost skipped it. Yeah. Um, is they actually introduce a character that is going to be a prominent role in the next full story that you're going to read for the next issue and whatnot. Um, and this one happened to be Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Which I assume is Carrie Kelly, right? I think that's the case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in in the, the main story proper, um, Batman says, you know, like, consider this your graduation present. Yeah, and... and gave gave her a new uniform but then there was also the thing where like that was definitely her taking the bottle of booze from the commissioner as well yeah as batman yeah so i don't, I don't know, know. Man. i don't know <laughs> it's frank miller we may never know yeah uh i don't know i um i'm still totally on board i like this book a lot uh 
especially given that I did not really like the the uh, Dark Knight Strikes again very much. Yeah. Um, de- definitely did not hold a candle to the original Dark Knight Returns. No. Um, I think it's been 10 years, I think, since Dark Knight Strikes again, so hopefully he's had a chance to sit around and... Yeah. The Master Race thing was... Uh, Controversial. It was, because um, that, that's the, actually the title of this Dark Knight, The Master Race, and he's written some things that have been considered somewhat third reichish <laughs> um in the past so uh yeah. the fact that, that that they use this title the master race as um as as a working title for the book and it's that's ballsy it, if nothing it's, else. it's ballsy and, and and then you read it and it actually isn't what you expect it to be it's obviously the kandorians that are yeah definitely that are the uh the quote-unquote master race right um so I think it, I think I think it's really well done at this point. Um, he used he used a little bit of the controversy that people that turned people against him to sell some books, and the books mm-hmm. ended up actually being really good. Yeah, uh, I don't remember how many issues this, this story arc is going to go. I have heard they've been plagued with more delays, so who knows when? Uh, we'll holy be, shit, man! When we'll be reviewing issue five? We like this time on the whatever show. Yeah, <laughs> Matt can't find his teeth. Yeah. yeah, that could happen next week. Though. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I had a birthday last week, so I'm <laughs> old. This is true. Oh, happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah, thanks. I yeah. wasn't fishing or nothing. Yeah, I know. I just since we're talking about it, um, I wish you a Facebook birthday. That counts. Yeah, you did, dude. Funniest thing about my birthday, right? Yeah, I woke up. Didn't know it was my birthday until I checked my messages and I had a like, message for my mom. Hell? My mom sent me like a message. 19 notifications or something. Yeah. yeah. And so then like, I, I, I look over at Casey and I was like, I forgot it was my birthday until my mom texted me. She's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> See, like, I don't feel like she should feel bad though. Because if you didn't even remember, like. Oh, I didn't. That's, yeah. I, that's, that's the whole thing. I was like, I don't care. Like, I didn't it's remember either. every year. Uh, yeah. See, so. like, I'm a total little kid. Like birthday time rolls around and i'm like i ain't doing shit see y'all later well this whole thing was like we moved yeah and so there was all this other shit happening and so i'm just like oh i guess it is my birthday whatever i'm fucking old i don't care yeah that i guess that's worth noting um if the show sounds a little bit different that's because we moved out of our old studio um which is (laughs) you know say the kids playroom and into uh the new studio which is actually pretty solid nerdery going on in here so um that part's cool but this is a much bigger room and uh we definitely don't have any wall treatment or anything so if it's a little bit more echoey and uh, we don't have our shit dialed in quite yet either as yeah. far as where our stuff goes and whatnot so we're gonna play around with some different so, so, yeah set up and so on so thanks um so next week um we have some some different comic books we're gonna talk about. We're gonna actually talk about some image comics, uh, Walking Dead one fifty three and one fifty four. I don't think we've talked about those at all. Nope. Saga number thirty six is out now, so we'll need to read yeah. that. Um, and by the time we sit down next time, DC Rebirth number one will have come out, so we'll definitely have read that and fill anybody in on any questions they might have about how this rebirth thing is happening. Are we? Um, have we picked which books? Uh, presumably, there's gonna be a whole bevy of titles in the rebirth. I'm I'm reading the Green Lanterns obviously because I always do. Yeah. Um. It wouldn't be probably a bad time for you to jump pick in. up on that. Yeah. Um, so the, the Green Flash. Lanterns, Flash, Batman. Um. I think I'll give Superman another shot. I, honestly, the Superman New Fifty Two. I I was um not nearly. I didn't really like it. 
I um, didn't, and I didn't like it that much either. And it wasn't because of the costume change; it was just because I, I don't think that the new Fifty Two treatment of Superman felt like Superman to me. There's some issues that Jeff Johns jumped in for, and I haven't read those. Um, so I don't. The know new Fifty Two Superman did. feels a little bit Man of Steely to me, in in not a good way. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um. So yeah, um, there was something else I was gonna get at too, and I know. I asked a question. Sorry. It is what it is. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely check out Rebirth, and we'll you know give you the updates and whatever we can tell you about Rebirth. Um, um, definitely Batman, obviously, because we we're, we're talking about Batman now, and um, that's one book that I think I'm for sure like hooked on. Like I just won't be able to ever stop until it gets really really shitty. So, also, um, Eddie asked me, I don't know, two months ago what a good jumping off point is for X-Men to start reading X-Men books. I am so kind of midway through that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to assign him some homework and find out where he's at and, and, and give him some other homework to uh, report back on next time. So yeah. um, hopefully this turns out better than the Stargate reviews. We're going to redo those anytime. <laughs> it's only been six or eight months. I've watched a whole lot more since then. I think yeah. I don't know if he has. I've maybe, seen the whole maybe thing I will, several like, times, but so so have I. Um, it's just not fresh in my mind because I haven't watched the whole thing in a couple six or seven years now. I think I'm on season six now. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still on season like two. I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, that's true, everybody, for this week. Uh, for real this time. For um, real. If you want to find out more about the show, you can always follow us on Twitter uh, at whatever show. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever show. Um, what else email us questions plug? at whatevery.co that's the one um, and yeah. I'm the brutal one on twitter at Charles E. Smith you have twitter? no I do not have a twitter which is really weird everyone has a twitter Ryan doesn't have twitter Ryan's not nearly as narcissistic as we are I try not to be <clears throat> yeah. you know you know what the coolest thing is? is that whatever I show am. replied yeah. to one of Kevin Smith's tweets last week and got acknowledgement Wait, Ke- what? Kev-, Kev liked one of my tweets, too. Yeah. Like I said, basically famous. I think Kev likes everybody's tweets. But... I think he does, too. But it's like but... that one says my name, and they're not being an asshole. I'm not like... everybody, and he liked my tweets. So, yeah. There we go. Um... You're special. <laughs>
Thanks, everybody, and thanks again, Ryan, for being on the show. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Later.